Today is Monday, April 3rd, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. So, <laughs> oh goodness, I just banged my head on the computer a few times. <laughs> not kidding. I, not, not kidding. Hang on. <laughs> just kidding. I think. I don't know, man. It's uh, okay. So we start off with some belated April Fool sh- shenanigans since we weren't able to have a podcast on April 1st because I guess I just didn't do it. Uh, Proverbs 15. We go through Proverbs 15, how that related then, how that relates now, how it's beneficial and behooves us now to pay attention to that for just dealing with humanity as a whole, Christian or godless, godless heathen alike. Um, a tribe called Chris. Um, let's see. I don't really remember what that was about. It was quick. Uh, talking with a Muslim gentleman about some of the differences in Christianity and Islam um, that we've done many, many times before. Um, then we talk about, pay attention to this. Are you ready? How Jesus, Horus, and Mithra are exactly the same. Same God. Christianity totally ripped off the story of Mithra and Horus. So I'm just going to let that lie while you absorb that and then listen to the discussion. I'm not even going to give a spoiler. Uh, Then we talk about a seven-day cycle in the Bible. How the Bible apparently talks about, I forget the verse, you'll you'll hear it. How everyone's going to go to a seventh-day cycle, like, you know, Sunday through Saturday, and how Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. I've not heard that before. It was unfamiliar to me, but it is interesting, and I'm going to look at that more. But, uh, yeah, you'll hear the conversation. And then the Bible proves itself once again. So, how, you know, thinking themselves wise, they became fools is so apparent in the last, I don't know, hour of this. So, uh, it's a really great discussion, and for those who like just... Arrogant people of hubris puffed up with pride regurgitating things they've learned in YouTube videos. Um, If that's your thing, then you'll like the whole podcast. Um, Otherwise, you'll know when it happens. (laughs) Um, Anyways, so there is a lot of that. And you can just see Romans 122, thinking themselves wise, they became fools. And talking about the difference in 1 Corinthians, Paul's talking about between man's wisdom and spiritual discernment that comes from God's wisdom. And how the two... Um, It doesn't mean man's wisdom is bad, but if you don't know the place for man's wisdom and how to keep man's wisdom in its lane, dealing with man's stuff, you really need God's wisdom. You're never going to have the spiritual discernment. And when people are like, prove God, prove God, prove God, oh, nothing makes me want to just bang my head against my desk more than these discussions. Because it's like, look, we're talking, by the time we invoke a spiritual realm, a metaphysical God in a metaphysical world, your material stuff goes out the window. It's a different metric. And if you want some evidence, if you want to know how to do this, stop talking to us. Stop looking at YouTube videos about why God doesn't exist and why he killed my cat when I was five. Speak directly to God. Exercise a little bitty bit of faith that God could be real. This could be right. Pray to Jesus directly. Stop going to other Christians. You've done that. You've done that for probably years. Um, Stop going to YouTube videos. Stop looking at other stuff. If you want to know if Christianity is valid, do what Jesus said. Seek him directly. Pray to him. Talk to him directly. Um, Anyway, if if you're going to get evidence, that's the kind of extraordinary evidence you're going to get. It's going to come from God himself. Uh, Anyways, so check out the Ask a Christian book on how we... uh, how we promote having civil discussions with people, even though it may not sound like it from right now, but we try to. And it, it's usually, it's pretty civil anyway, but it is so annoying. Um, you'll see. You'll see. And you can also get some stuff from the Asking Christian store. Check us out, and the link is in the description to promote your own civil discussion about Christianity. And by the way, I was thinking, you know, if people don't want to be bombarded in the, on the street with like a giant cross that says, Ask me, I've got answers. 
you can get one that says a religious discussion. I don't know. Support the cause. Support the ministry. Um, you know, for those people who do want to answer que- questions about Christianity. And you could also, you know, donate the link is in the top of the description of the podcast to keep this uh, podcast going. How many times did I say podcast? Podcast, podcast, podcast. All right. Happy Monday, everyone. Take care. See you all later. Back to bed. I was trying to say happy belated April Fools. I'm sorry I didn't host a room uh, on April 1st. I was excited to see what you what you were. Were you anything for April Fools? I, I was really off a of clubhouse because Saturday was a really busy day for me. So I was kind of bummed, too, because I didn't realize April 1st was going to be on Saturday. And next year it's going to be on Sunday. Yeah, so I know. It's going to be like, ah, I never, I usually am, you know never on clubhouse on sunday i mean sometimes but well maybe we could do like an after after church april fool's lie fest and then it's okay because it's april fool's or i mean i guess you could generally just convert to something <laughs> yeah i mean you know i mean malak and i did the, the mormon thing and i did the hebrew israelite thing that was the funniest one i think i got like people were mad at me for doing that like because i rolled into <laughs> grand rising and like I was like telling them like I've seen the light. Um, I can't wait to be a slave in the kingdom. I'm very excited to serve all of my betters um, that are I- true Israelites and like all this stuff. And, uh, and people were like, "Man, you can't ridicule them like that." I'm like, "Yes, I can." Yeah, like what else are you supposed to do? Hey, Brandon, what's up? Hey, no, just be- being the scum of the earth or, or the app is all. All right, well, good start. Happy Monday. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I, I was gonna, I, I was, I was gonna say a joke. But I said I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna do that. But I was gonna like, I, I was gonna call and apologize and tell people like, yeah, I wasn't telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, Nate, you've missed all the drama in the last couple of days too. So it's been all kinds of drama. Is it drama that I miss, or is it drama because I'm not here? <laughs> it's. You're just missing it. Like, well, I mean, I don't think you'd ever be part of it. So, but hey, Chris, I want to ask you this: if you were, if you were a preacher, would you would you preach at a church that had abundance affirmation? Um, depends on the situation. I mean, if they ask me to come and talk to them about the gospel or something, probably. I mean, I don't know. I mean. Yeah, myself in that situation because there's zero, exactly zero churches that would ever want me to come and talk to them ever. <laughs> well, I tell you this, uh, I don't think that was the case. And um, you know, it, is, it was. Still, I guess one of the things is like you put my name in a room title, like a dog whistle. Like I'm just going to show up. I'm just like I'm not a little boy. It's fit to like the Jason Booth, like into the urban apologetic folks, which y'all really kind of got a lot of black power energy going coming to me uh anyways i'm just in like chaplain tape studying y'all y'all just mad because i expose y'all hypocrisy you can tell you can tell these other people to stop affiliated with oneness folks but you you preaching the whole oneness church it's like man please i don't want to hear that for the record i don't know what anyone's talking about um brandon hypocrisy no Chris, yeah no it's just it's just it's, it's just it's theological hypocrisy that's all it is. It's just, and, I, and I'm over it. That's why a lot of, you know, I thought about taking a break from Clubhouse, but I'm just like, I'm over these folks. These people, um, they ain't nothing but, but for the show and the crowd. 
it, it just to me is kind of like, how are you going to get up and tell the people not to do something you do yourself and then get up and lie and say, I talked to him over the phone. I messaged oh. that gentleman over the phone, uh, but I did not talk to them over the phone and they did not talk about Damon would never say nothing. That's not true. I just, Damon's a liar and his little, and his, and his little uh, cult followers are liars. I just like these people all need to be saved as far as I can. You know, I was just reading Proverbs 15, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff that's that's been apropos for maybe you and your week and me and some friends and, and our recent events. I'm like, you know, it's extra true this week. <laughs> Proverbs 15, and maybe a little bit of 16. I was just reading this morning. I'm like, yep, that's right. That's right. Like, there's some things you just, you can't, you can't reason with crazy. And when, you know, it's always at a point, right? And it's, it's either two ways. It's like either you are the crazy person and you're trying to act like everyone else is like, oh, you're so emotional, blah, blah, blah. You, you can't stick to the facts. You have no evidence, blah, 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 blah. While you're the one ranting and making ad hominems and being unfactual. Um, or you're the person who, um, you know, is actually right. But then everyone calls you biased because they're like, oh, well, you know, it's your side. It's your side. I'm like, well, yes, it, it is my side, so I get that there's a tendency to be biased to my own side, but but look, like this is objective stuff. Like I'm laying out evidence, like, look, this is why I think I'm right and you're insane, because I mean I, I don't I say that, but for example, you know, me and my friends have both had a heck of a week and it sounds like you have too. But I'm like, well, look, you're trying to say all these things, you're not sticking to key points, you're not sticking to facts, you're just throwing out, you know, temper tantrums and rants. While I am not responding to any of that nonsense, because I, this is all recorded and I don't want to look like a crazy person, but I'm like, look, here's my evidence. Here's what I believe. Here's why I believe I'm right. And that's based on this, 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 and this, like factual evidential points. So yes, I could be biased to my own side, but I'm giving you evidence as to why you should be convinced by my side versus the other dude is just half-hearted, like responding, like his attempts are child's play. He's just like, you know, butchering the logic. I'm like, I, I can't deal with that. And then it's like, you, you try to have some good faith attempts to, you know, reason with these people, but then you find they are unreasonable. And then someone else can say, oh, well, it takes two to tango. Well, you're unreasonable too. It's like, well, again, perhaps I am biased to my own side, but here is evidence supporting why I am making reasonable good faith attempts and the other person's doing no such thing. So I, anyways, that, yeah, sounds like we're all having a heck of a week. Yeah. You just, oh, yeah. Uh, so the I conclusion just, is, I think, just separate yourself and have nothing else to do with them. Like, you know, I, I don't like. Oh, no. I'm, 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 I'm done with them. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there, especially like with the back channel harassment and stuff like that. I'm just sitting there. Have y'all old enough to be old enough to be my daddy caring all like this? And I, I, I look and I am very just, just, this is why I don't take a lot of apologetic seriously because it's just like, man, this stuff ain't getting Yeah, so I think uh, you know, make like I don't like it when people say they're gonna like move. Um, happy, like, happy like holy when, week, when they say, everybody. Happy yeah, maybe yeah. Someone asked something about Jesus here in a minute, but I mean, all this ties in, right? It's about living peaceful in an unpeaceful world. But you know, I don't, I don't like the 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 thing when people are like, well, you know, I don't like this. So I'm gonna leave Clubhouse. Don't leave Clubhouse. I'd miss you, Brandon. Uh, or like, you know, in my community, people are like, oh, I don't like what they're doing here. I don't like what's going on in the community. I just want to leave. I just want to leave. I'm like, what? And let evil win? I mean, you know, you're trying to live at peace, but that doesn't also mean, like, run away. And by the way, where do you think you're going to go that you're not going to have any trouble? Like, there's no getting away from it. Sorry, you're doomed. We're all doomed. 
like, you know, you're always going to have neighborhood disputes and community issues. So, you know, the grass is not greener anywhere else. So, you know, we should stay where we are and try to make this uh, a better place, Clubhouse 2, rather than, you know, tucking and running. So I, I don't I don't like that because while I'm the one saying, saying like, well, hey, let's stay here, let's stay here. If, if all my friends leave, then I'm all alone. So I guess there is some selfish motivation there. Don't leave me, guys. Don't leave me, Brandon. I'm right here. Um, ah, thank you, Chris. Yeah, and happy Holy Week, everybody. Um, so uh, what is today? Today is uh, just, what do they call Monday? There's like a whole, there's like a whole, like, case of the ecclesiastical calendar for Holy Week. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, I there's saw like that. a whole I... ecclesiastical calendar for Holy Week. Do you know oh. what Monday is called? I forgot. I know that I know that it's confusing because Thursday is called Monday Thursday, but it just means like it's Sad Thursday. I don't know any stuff about that invented by dudes in robes. That's not my thing. Eh, you know. um, I just you I know follow the Bible. Crazy me. Crazy you. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, I am reading this book on uh, Sola Scriptura. It's really good. Um, it's really short. I'm halfway through it. I just started yesterday, so I'm pretty excited. Um, what short, like 600 pages books, or less? But, uh, I mean, short for me is like less than 200 pages. So, oh. um, yeah. So this book is only 160 pages. It's like that Love, Freedom, and Evil book that's so fantastic it's like 160 pages it's really tight so i like i like books like that because like you know theologians tend to go on i hear there's a book called ask a christian that's pretty short maybe maybe a little more than 200 pages gonna, that's I probably floating out there somewhere to, i'm gonna have to read that <laughs> yeah but um yeah no it's a it's gonna be a good holy week we've got oh so we do a uh, Good Friday kind of thing at our church, and it's kind of like cool. A it's like an art installation. Oh no, no, no! It's like <laughs> they do they do like this whole art installation, and they have these stations um, where you know you just pause and reflect, and it's it's really good. It's really fun. Um, actually, you should if you think about it, you might take a Friday at evening. And bring the family to Orlando and do the Friday, Good Friday thing. I think they would love it. Wow. They may not love the hour and a half drive, but, you know. I, I don't love the, it's like a two and a half hour drive with no traffic. I absolutely oh, hate really? going to Orlando. Yes. It oh, ruins you're, my whole... you're down further south than I thought. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, not, not to I'm talk shit. But, um, Somewhere between Tampa and Naples. But, uh, yeah, Nate's address is 4132 Sunway Drive. <laughs> no, Chris, please, no. No. Ah! Bro, like, Rick Real one day, I was like, I was like, I said something to him and I made a joke. I was like, oh, I didn't mean to dox you or anything. Oh, no, he's like, no, 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 dox me. I can't wait for somebody to come to my door. I will shoot them. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, with like, the love of Christ, I support the okay. Second Amendment. But I mean, you know, <laughs> Proverbs 15, we were just reading it, right? All about, you know, being being all peaceful and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, if, if you know, people refuse to have peace, then, you know, I would I would hopefully that, you know, 
the alligators crawling around would be enough. Freaking venomous snakes and cottonmouths would hopefully be enough to keep um, some people out. Oh, Bob's gone. I was going to say he it wouldn't face him, though. So uh, may may need to take other security measures. Yeah, you may need to improve your uh, alligator security system. <laughs> Who's a cute little swamp hey, puppy? Just wants human flesh. <laughs> do, you, do you have trained attack alligators, Sean? Because you should. Is everyone in Florida? No, I'm I'm in Tennessee. <laughs> oh. They can survive in Tennessee. They'll be all right. You just got to bring them in every once in a while. Hello. <laughs> Leave me. I, I, I tell you what, we'll bring them to the zoo. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, hi. Hello, What's up? What's up, man? How you? How y'all doing, man? Uh, let you know in a minute. <laughs> What's going on today? Ain't not much, man. You know, just be, uh, you know, just chilling, man. Do you have any questions on your mind? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Let me let me uh, think about a question. I'll get back to you. Let me just sit. Uh, let me just uh, you know listen in. And then yeah. I'm gonna start going to rooms <laughs> just wanting to speak, and then when they're like, "What do you want to say, man?" I'm gonna be like, "I'm just here to listen." <laughs> sure, uh, no, sure. Whenever no. you, whenever you have something but to say, I wanna just, ha- just jump but I want to answer. I want to. I want to ask some questions, but I want to. You know, um, formulate a great question. Sure, you know? sure. Well, let us know when you're ready. Uh, yes, hey, and... CEO. Hey, let me apologize. Can I ask you a question? Hey, CEO. Hold on a second, yes. guys. Hey, uh, Morning. CEO, I was a little rough on you last week. Morning, sir. Oh, I was a little fine. rough on you last week. I wanted to apologize to you. Oh, Chris, I'm used to your style by now, and I've known you long enough, so you're good. We're good. <laughs> the apo- uh, the no, apology to her. doesn't make it more right. It's just, yeah, we know, kind of yeah, we just accept you. It doesn't make you. it any more right, so I do apologize. So is this like when I was in the room, or is this extra? No, it was extra like, I mean, Chris. I was, so he, he's talking about what we're having the... He's not only having a conversation about younger versus older. That's all. It's all good, Chris. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I want to say, Chris, your apology tour could be limited again by uh, Proverbs 15. That's <laughs> just saying. Uh, anyway. Yeah, but, um, but, but CEO's not a fool. Why do, so, I, like, hear, why yeah. do I hear Tribe Call Quest beat in the back of my head for, for Chris? I don't know. I can't. I can't a war tour. I'm sorry. Dun, dun, dun. Oh. I, I apologize. Uh, I got. <laughs> I, I have a question. If you guys could answer it, uh, this is one of the questions that's been really bugging me. Why? Why did Jesus die for the sins? Even and what was the point for um, all the other prophets before Jesus establishing to worship one God? And then all of that, then after all of that happened, Jesus came down and died for everyone's sins. That was to you, Chris. I totally heard him say Chris. Uh, no, <laughs> it's to anyone. It's to anyone. Uh, it's to anyone who could answer. Um, it's, it's so why did Jesus die after all the prophets? Well, all the prophets were like, you know, leading the way to the Messiah. So all the prophets were telling, were like preparing people for the way up and into John the Baptist where he says, look, you know, uh, what was I say? I say that talks about prepare the way for the Lord. And, you know, John the Baptist says, look, here comes one now, the one he was waiting for. So all the prophets were pointing up to the point of Jesus. So this whole time they had sacrifices for sins and, you know, things that they would miss the mark for God on with, you know, animals and different sacrifices and rites. 
And the point was they, the people, the prophets were preparing the way for Jesus, who was going to be their one sacrifice for all time. So no longer would they you know, be required to sacrifice animals or anything like that for, for offerings or for sins. You've got the, the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus. So this whole thing, this whole history is to prepare people for that. And the okay. people who knew this, well, they followed Christ and they recognized that. The people who didn't, well, didn't. Okay, but do you guys think that this life is a test as there is a day of judgment and, and heaven and hell? So this life is a test. Do you guys agree? I mean, I guess it depends how you want to say test, but yeah, not, not really a test. It's more like, you know, are you going to be someone who, you know, believes this or denies this? Um, so, so not really... Yeah, there'd so be a better exactly way to say the it than test. test. So, so exactly, it's a test. Um, so to see who believes it or or don't believe, it's the person who rejects no. this or does reject this. But within your concept, isn't it? Isn't it? So, like, what if what if someone were were to do horrendous crimes, but they but, but they believe in Jesus, and 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 of course Jesus died died. Apparently, God died for the sins of the, of man. How? I mean, how does that co- so, how so does that the, work? Here's the deal: in your Muslim faith, you yes. have a misunderstanding of who God is and how He deals with humanity. Okay, so okay. what's going on is that is that God did not die. God cannot die. That's the first thing. The second thing is this life is not a test. There is not going to be giant scales brought out for every single person to weigh good deeds versus bad deeds. The whole deal is that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life for in and fulfilled all of the law that he could. And then he imputes that righteousness to each believer in him, and he takes on the sin debt of those believers. Now, the question then becomes, what if somebody does all these horrendous crimes after they become a Christian, yada, yada, yada? We would say that generally does not happen because there is something called a heart reformation. That means that you are taking your heart of stone out and you are given a heart of flesh. You will not want to do the sins that are the horrendous, terrible sins and you know, murder and terrorism and all these other things because you are given a new heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. And that is the basis on which God judges. It is perfection. No one gets to heaven without being perfect. That is what God yeah, says. Yeah, but no one is really perfect, you know, because we all have committed ah, sins. Except, right, except Jesus. Jesus was perfect. He gives us his perfect life to stand in for us on all we have to do is believe on him. That okay, is the good news of the gospel. Okay, so basically he's taking accountability for the actions or for the sins of other people in the future, right? Correct. It says in 1 Peter 2.24, he bore our sins in his body. Okay, okay. That, I mean, I mean, like, that still doesn't make sense because if God was, was like, like if, if a truck was coming, would you push your son? Towards the truck in order to save so, uh, to, to save someone else, or would yeah, you have you your father's misunderstanding of who Jesus is? God, the He's the Son, Son of God. Is God. He gave Himself. 
Jesus okay. said, I, no one takes my life from me. I lay down my own life. Okay. And so okay. the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay, so so Jesus is God. Correct. Exactly. Okay, 100%. okay, so okay, so okay, so Jesus is God and and then after he died for everyone's sins in order. But but at the time I think I don't know if this is in a Bible, but uh didn't Satan rebel against God with uh, rebelled uh, as in he he did not prostrate when commanded to by God. Right. Well, we don't have any of that detail. We know that Satan. Um, that. I know that's in the Bible because I spoke to a few Bible people and a few. Oh, Lucifer, there. Lucifer rebelled. Yes, yes, uh, right. uh, yes, don't know yes. About Lucifer. and how what the mechanism of his fall was. That's not described in the scripture. But we do know that Satan is a true, real being, and that he he rebelled against God. Yes. What does that have to do with Jesus? Oh, uh, no, no, no. Because when he rebelled against God um, and Adam got sent down to heaven, and throughout that time, um, I think uh, I think in, in the Bible it states that um, he swore to God that he, he, would, he would divert, um, uh, lead astray all men. I mean, try try lead, lead astray all men. So, um, so that was... Yeah, that so first of all, let me correct you. God didn't send Adam from heaven to the earth when Satan fell. That's a Muslim doctrine. That's not in the Bible. The second thing is that, um, you know, Satan, whatever his intentions are, they are to deceive. And he, he goes around like a, a roaring lion, seeming, seeking who he may devour. We do know the Bible teaches that. But okay, I'm, so... I'm, Failing to understand where the line of questioning about Satan. No, 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 uh, no. Basically, this is me. Just, this is me just asking questions to get a better understanding. So, so okay. basically, so basically, so basically, so so, um, Lucifer rebelled, got banished from heaven, and then um, Adam, and then after Adam ate ate the apple, right? The fruit, yeah. Okay, was he was he influenced by any way by Satan? Sure. Okay, then it's it's exactly the same. The was, hold on, hold on. Adam was not the one who was deceived by Satan, though. Eve it was, was Eve, I think, by the serpent, and then Adam ate of the apple. It is not that Adam was deceived and ate of the apple. It is that Adam ate of the apple. Or not okay. apple it's Number not one, it wasn't no apple. It just says, yeah, yeah, exactly. Fruit. It's not an apple. He said apple, and I got apple. Fruit. Yeah, fruit. Fruit. Yeah, yeah. Fruit. 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 Uh, okay. Those things taste like wax. Yeah. Well, I, hang on one. Hang on one second. Since we've gone through several questions, hang on. We can continue this. But oh, he's gone. Darn it. Yasin. I want to see what his question was. But all right. Well, continue. Yeah, I mean, yeah, my bad. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a uh, apple within the Christianity faith, but yeah, it's, just a, a, fruit. it's a yeah, okay, so just a fruit. So it is. So so he was deceived by what a serpent or a Satan, or by himself? Did he have his own will and then deceived himself? What now? Like how? Who like, deceived Adam? Like, because because Adam because God deceived. Huh. Adam was not deceived. Adam took of the fruit after Eve took of the fruit. 
yeah, after God commanded them to not eat the fruit, right? Right. So here's what's going right. on. So like, so like, they were deceived in the fact that you know uh, Eve says we can't eat this, we'll die, and then Satan deceived her and is saying you won't surely die. So like, he dece- the deception had nothing to do with the sin. The deception was making death not sound like death that Eve thought. So Eve's like, oh, we're gonna die if we do this, and he's like, you won't really die in that way. So that was the trick. That was the deception. That had nothing to do with the sin. The fact that had to do with the sin was God said, "Don't eat this," and they ate that. So it doesn't yes. matter if it doesn't matter if they were tricked. It doesn't matter if they weren't tricked um, about how what the meaning of death would be. The point the point is the whole crux of this is God said, "Don't do that," and they did that. Yes, yes, yes. So so basically the story. So basically, basically the moral of the story is accountability. That's that's the reason why they went because they 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 need to take accountable for their sin. Because God told them a direct order to not eat from the fruit, even though whether it, whether that they were deceived or not, right? But Satan had the part to play in in order for them to in order for them to commit the sin, right? Well, but however you work this out, though, well, Satan played a part. But I mean, if if there was no Satan, if Satan didn't rebel and Satan was doing his little cherub angel music job in heaven or whatever he had, um, if and there was no Satan, I mean, given enough time, Adam and Eve may have gotten around, probably would have gotten got around to eating the, the fruit all on their own. Like, I mean, the fact that the story has Satan in there, even if Satan was not in there, I mean, if you spend, I don't know, a thousand, a billion, a trillion years um, knowing there's one thing you're not supposed to do, at some point, they probably would have got the idea to, well, heck, let's just give it a shot and see what happens. But I mean, whenever we talk about accountability and Satan, though, you also have to remember the end is written the, the beginning. The end is written from the beginning. So we're told in Revelation that it was always going to be Christ who was going to be a sacrifice to redeem mankind. So it's not like, you know, Adam has to be accountable for his sin and no one else can save Adam. The whole point of the Bible is we're told in Revelation that Jesus was always the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So like before Adam, before Eve, before Satan existed, we've God has always known, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit have always known that Jesus is going to be the sacrifice to redeem humanity to him. So that was always the plan. So you have to consider the, you know, the whole Bible. Oh, okay, okay. So it's very, very similar to, uh, to Islam as well, and also to, uh, Judaism. Even though you guys, yeah, of course, you guys take the, t- the Torah as your own book as well. So, so, so the thing is, so okay, uh, yeah, that's all my questions, yeah. Yeah, I would say it is similar to the other religions in the sense that if the other religions believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus for the salvation and by faith alone, no works, and that Jesus is God, then it would be similar-er. So okay. if, if you will believe that, then we will have one more thing in common, uh, the death, burial, yes. and resurrection of Christ as God to redeem us to himself. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we believe that uh, Jesus did not die, but he will come back for the second coming. But also... Um, so uh, I want to ask, what, so sure. what is the reason why Jesus will come back for the second coming uh, in in your in your books? Why is Jesus coming back? Because because there's an end date, there's an expiration of this matter, and we're told that you know at a certain point, you know the um, the world is going to be so wicked and so evil, and you know God promises He's not going to destroy it by water again, like Noah and the flood, but uh, you know I think this time it makes reference to you know fire or something but anyway so like in revelation like we're told the world is going to increasingly get worse and worse and then there's going to be the rise of this antichrist 
And this whole point is just playing out like, and so whosoever believes in Jesus and professes him the Lord as Lord is going to be reborn. They're going to be spiritually alive. It's not about good and bad. It, it is about good and bad, but good and bad comes after you're spiritually alive or spiritually dead. So if you're spiritually alive, morality and goodness is going to come from that. Anyway, so we have this short time here on earth. I mean, you know, whether thousands or millions of years or whatever, compared to eternity and infinity, it's still short. So that's all we know is there is good and there is evil. And God wants us to be redeemed to and reconciled to himself. So everyone that is, congratulations. Everyone that's not, that's bad. Okay, okay. And, and also, was there prophecies within the book to show that we are uh, when you are living in the end times? Yeah, you have you read our Bible, or are you in a place where I it's have, forbidden to do so? To be honest, I haven't read the Bible. But if you could give me a chapter or something, then I'll I'll, I'll scroll through the chapter. You know. Uh sure. I don't. I'll, I'll get the chapter in a minute. But I believe like Matthew is one of the places where it talks, and Jesus says, "Look, you're going to know the end is near when when you start seeing these things." And he goes through some descriptors. So he says, "You know, no one knows the day or the hour, but you'll definitely know the season when it approaches." And he talks about, you know, wars, rumors of war, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. Like he gives us some of these signs, but they're vague enough that that's why people have interpreted, you know, every time in, in history that these things start happening. You know, people will try to say, OK, now we know the day or hour, even though Jesus says, no, you're not going to know the day or the hour. Um, so, yeah, there are some general things to look forward to, to look for. Um, but yeah, and then this, uh, is it Matthew 25, or does anyone know the actual chapter? I can find it here in a second. But yeah, so like the book of Matthew is great, and also we're told, I think probably in Matthew around the same book part. Book of Daniel, it's right? A, As well. Perhaps. Uh, find a chapter if you can, since that's what he was asking for. But we're also told to be watchful and be wary. Uh, you know, be aware. So that's another yeah. part, is if you knew exactly when the day or hour is going to happen, you know, can't you just imagine all the debauchery and all the kind of crazy stuff people would get into knowing that, oh, well, you know, in six years, you know, Jesus is going to return. So, you know, I'll wait till year five and a half and then I'm going to really start, you know, reading my Bible and going to church, yada, yada, yada. So, you know, there is a point about the, the parable of the ten virgins who, you know, ran out of oil in their lamps because they were going to a wedding and some of them were wise and prepared, i.e. watchful, following Christ, living like Christ trust in Christ, not participating in the stuff the world has to offer. Um, and the others were not. They were foolish. They didn't have enough oil. So when the time came, they didn't have oil to get to the wedding feast. So, you know, he's like, well, got to go to outer darkness. So that, I mean, that's if you take the whole Bible. So there is a good part about the time and the date and the season you'll know. But there's also another part that says, be ready all the time. Yeah, has uh, has any of them come true in your eyes, in your perception? Well, I, I just what? want to add Daniel real quick. So Daniel chapter 7 and then 9 for 12. Daniel chapter 7, okay. And 9 through 12 as well. Alright. Uh, has any of them come true um, in your eyes? Any of what? Uh, the, the prophecies. About... What, Jesus being the Messiah? No, about Jesus' coming, end times, such, uh, stuff like that. Well, I mean, the prophecies about Jesus returning, I mean, they, they can't be fulfilled until he actually returns. So, I mean, all the other prophecies about the, uh, about the um, appearance of the Messiah when Jesus came the first time, those are obviously true because Jesus obviously showed up. So I'd say, you know, the parts that can be fulfilled have been fulfilled. So the parts that are left unfulfilled, largely like Revelation, 
the Bible, which at this point, by the way, like all the stuff in the Old Testament that points to Jesus when he shows up, people should really just start accepting this and believing. Like you're like 700, like what, four to 700 prophecies about Jesus, um, like how he would live, how he would die, how he would be born. Like these were all fulfilled in Jesus. So now the only prophecies left to be fulfilled are the ones that talk about how he's going to return. So whenever he returns, those will then be fulfilled. So I'd say it's pretty, a pretty good track record so far. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to be wary about trying to say we think this is the exact time. I mean, because I'm sure people during World War One and then the Spanish flu and then World War Two all thought those would have been the time. So like it says, no man knows the, the time or the hour. All we know is that one each day we're getting a little bit closer towards it. That's all we can know. Uh, if I may, let me read something for you. This is First Thessalonians chapter 4. From verses 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. I'm reading on the King James. Concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. No, we don't know the day or the hour. But we do know that the promise of Jesus coming back, not only did he prophesy about it, but this is um, one of his apostles, Paul, and also um, one of the disciples, Luke, the great physician, also told of us when the angels saw, when the, the apostles saw Jesus ascending into heaven, into the air in Acts chapter 1, uh, they said, men of Galilee, why do you stare up at Jesus. They basically, they're waving bye-bye to Jesus. He said, no, you got work to do. You got to go on into Jerusalem and do what Jesus told you to do. It was just wait there until you are endued with power of the Holy Spirit. They got filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. This is why we are celebrating this week, which we call Holy Week. Started yesterday with Palm Sunday. That's when they, the children in Matthew chapter 1 were shouting and rejoicing, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that come in the name of the Lord. And then the Pharisees and Sadducees had a problem with it. And, and well, basically, he said, the, if they don't cry out, these rocks will do it. And guess what? I don't need no rocks crying out in my place. So because of our faith in what the Gospels say of him, what the writers of the New Testament say about him, what the entire Bible, what the prophets said of old in the Old Testament, and what the New Testament prophets described about him in um, the book of Acts, uh, uh, Acts 15, Acts 13, uh, Acts uh, 22, uh, which uh, we see the Silas and Agabus, um, all still the return of Jesus and the and the things that we are supposed to be doing as believers. All of this is pointing to 
his return. We're pointing to his return. No, we we see that the days are truly evil. People are, are the, the times of evil are stepping up and getting worse and worse. But we don't know the time of the day. We're just looking at the season. So we just live as if he can come any moment, according to the word of God. Well, thank you for that. That guy took off. I don't know if his internet was cut because he was talking to Christians. But um, I always wonder, like, you know, I, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, when they're talking, when it's like a Muslim talking from whatever country they may be talking from, I always wonder. I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to, you know, say they're in bad faith or whatever if they haven't read the Bible. I always want to know because, you know, there's plenty of countries that will murder them for reading the Bible. So, you know, I want I want to ask sometimes, be like, well, look, have you just not read the Bible because you can read it and are just willfully not? Or because you'll legit be murdered for reading another holy book? Um, anyway, so I wish all the best for him. Hopefully he finds his way back. But, um, hey, I had a question, Chris. Two questions. Um, one was, you know, someone was, I, I, I usually don't listen much when people make a case for King James. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's not going to lead you astray. Or, well, unless you're a cultist. Uh, but uh, forget that. Anyway, someone was making the case that, you know, the King James was based on, I may mess this up, so if this isn't your thing, whatever, but it was like the Textus Receptus versus a lot of the NIV and like newer translations. And they were making the case for the King James only, not like from one of the angles you usually hear it from, but basically because they were saying the Vatican and like the um, you know Jesuits like had a part, even like someone on the council of like the NIV translation. And they were sort of like trying to undermine some of the stuffs that would, that would uh, mess with Catholic doctrine. So they were like, put one of them on the council that had a hand in the new international version based on some other textus, whatever thing is. Um, and I thought, you know, I've, I've never actually heard that. It's usually from like an angle that I'm like, wow, wow, bro, more tinfoil. Um, what do you think about that? Or anyone else? Oh, sorry, right, sorry, Nate. So, can you can you frame the end of the question? I heard the beginning. What was the end of your question? Uh, the end of the question was, well, what does he think about like the King James Bible um, in that light? Not from like you know a crazy cult persuasion, but because you know the original manuscripts would like have a problem with like uh, would get in the way of Catholic doctrine. So they tried to infiltrate sort of like these Protestant versions of the Bible and base it on different manuscripts that they different wording or whatever so they could like favorably twist it to to like slow roll and ultimately point people towards catholic doctrines and catholic teachings versus the king james version was based on a different manuscript with i guess slightly different wording that wouldn't be so easily misconstrued into these doctrines well i i'll say just like as an early christian the king james was really brutal to read it like I felt like distracted from the message because of all the vowels and these and all this language that seemed completely unnecessary. Um, so the the NIV was just much better as a as an early Christian these days. I mean, I could read any version and it's fine. But I, I, I to me, King James is not recommended reading for people that are newer in the faith. Well, no, and we're not talking. I mean, we're, I agree with you. And, you know, we're not I haven't read King James in, in forever. Well, except when I do it on here sometimes, it's it's a tough read <laughs> people are like Nate, just stop just stop but no no we're not we're not talking about like you know the the ease of ease of reading 
we're talking about like the accuracy, right? So like if you if you if, if you took the textus textus receptus what receptus whatever stupid Latin, if you took that manuscript that apparently it's based on, and instead of trans translating it into Shakespearean English, you translated it into our English, um, that that's the thing. Not not like ease of reading because I'm I'm with you there. But and, for, and you're for saying it's, it, it's potentially more accurate or or less accurate. Uh, the case that people are making is more. And I've heard that about NIV. Like, I, th that's where I know he, like, you know, Chris likes the ESV, and that's my primary, the primary translation I read. So I was just kind of wondering about, like, manuscripts and, like, which ones are oh, based on which think, ones. Oh, I think, you know, I, I think in fairness, the King James probably is more accurate because the NIV, I have seen it make changes, which I, I think it really changed basic meaning of text at times. So I think the that's NIV the question. over modernizes sometimes. And that is that is the question. And I've heard I've heard a lot of people complain about the NIV, but not so much, you know, other translations. So I'm not really I mean, I guess I could just Google it and figure out which translations are based on which. But I was hoping our resident scholar. Give me like two minutes. I'm right in the middle of something. I, 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 mean, I thought oh, we had priority in your life, but while we're a job having, or something like that. While we're having the other dialogue, it reminded me of a really bad joke. Um, who were the first two people to violate the Apple terms of service, Adam and Eve? <laughs> That's funny. You know, <laughs> you know, um, I know there are King King James ver version only this out there. Uh, I prefer the New King James for myself, um, but. Uh, I know uh, there are people like Gail Rippinger who wrote, uh, did a comparison contrast of each version of why she is a King James only. Um, uh, in the New King James, like I, I tried reading it a little bit. I, I guess I never gave it a fair chance. Does it? I mean, is the whole point of the New King James to really get out of the these and thous and that language while keeping the content, or is it not? Is that not the focus? The focus, well, yeah, because we don't speak in thee, thou, and thine unless we're reading the King James or watching Shakespearean plays. Which I don't do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I don't know, but I, I had to know, I had to read Romeo and Juliet and Hamlet when I was in high school. <laughs> well, I mean, then, not now. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, but, the, and, uh, but the key of all this is uh people now who have a version of King James uh are really uh are really tripping to me a lot. Even though I prefer the new King James, I'm starting to like the ESV and I'm really starting to like the TLV. Uh, the Tree of Life version. Uh but I I'm but the and and another one that has really caught my eye lately is the LS, uh, the, the Legacy Standard Bible, uh, which is where with capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D is translated as Yahweh. Um, in the Old Testament. But, but yeah, I, would, so I, would think, I would think that people who are really having this aversion to the King James, it, I was thinking, because you go to most churches, 
Still today, the King James is what is read and is preached it? out of. Yeah, most what majority churches? churches. Well, I would say the Pentecostal churches that I that I huh. attend. Uh, so new, were you the, saying the New King James real, like gets rid of all the these and thous and those, or it still keeps some of them to make it? No, it doesn't. It, it, no, there's not a thee or thou or thine or s or est in there. <laughs> no, because. I, the one reason I like the New King James because we don't speak in thee, thou, and thine. We speak in you, yours, and mine. Maybe we should. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we would have to go back and take and, and Nate, start I, I, I the of, 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 of shit spell. <laughs> Nate, please, please do your next sentence in these and thou's. I would love to hear. Has thou, hast thou noticed thy Steph hath joined thee today? And thou, <laughs> if Try a thing hard to. <laughs> Nate, I don't know. I'm done. Pox on you. What? Huzzah. A pox on thy Huzzah. house. Huzzah. A pox upon thy house and thy brother. Oh my lord. Yeah. So you what know you what? don't know about y'all? Y'all gonna make me watch the black queen of Far West and old swashbuckler with, with Tony Curtis. <laughs> what you don't know about Steph is that she frequents the Renaissance Fair circuit. <laughs> That's true, though. <laughs> I mean, so do I, but I don't. I don't dress up or talk like them. I like. I like being there as an observer, I, I'm not a participant. Nate, Chris, Steph, come hither. <laughs> come how, how much is bar? Uh, how much is dry cleaning on your bar winch costume? I don't have a bar wench costume. Okay, I'm I talking actually... to Chris. Oh, okay. Right. Well, yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> okay, Chris, uh, do you have any thoughts about the the King James manuscripts and all that stuff? Okay. I've never heard. So I've never heard it presented in a completely accurate. not crazy. Right. Okay. So the least accurate translation that we are going to have today is going to be the King James. The reason for that is a what? The manuscripts they were working with were incredibly inferior. They didn't have Greek and Hebrew copies of every book, so they had to use the, the Latin Vulgate for some. Um, the book of Revelation, particularly in the King James, is such a mess that it should be thrown out completely. Um, because it was it was translated and retranslated from multiple like bad versions. And the original, when the when the next printing of the King James came up, the the main translator actually went to the printer and said for him to use, uh, there was another version that came out. It was like, oh, let's use that Greek manuscript instead. And guess what? It was the same one that he had used. He just didn't understand. So because most of these people, they spoke bad Greek. They were Latin scholars. Okay. Now, that being said, is the King James decent? It's fine. Are you going to go astray with the King James? No. Has it launched in restorationist circles a million cults? Absolutely. Um, now, that being said, um, modern you won't go wrong, but maybe cult. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, yeah, but but it's not because of the King James they became cults. It's just they they were able to justify their nonsense because people yes. don't understand the language of the King James. So at any rate, so look. It will be the least accurate English translation that we have. 
the most accurate is going to be the LSB or a literal Bible, okay? Um, and that being said, the manuscripts that we have now are so much better, and we have computers that can take all of the branches and examine them and try to figure out where the textual variants are, try to figure out, like, you know, through basically AI, um, comparing millions of characters at the same time, what the apostles actually wrote. And they're really good at it. And the, so and the thing uh, about it is that, yeah. <laughs> oh, so wow. you basically, well, modern textual criticism is so much better than what they had five centuries ago. It's like, it's night and day. Well, so Plus that's the fact great. that we have... Yeah, that's great, and I agree with you, but the question specifically was because of the Catholic thing, like the Catholic influence or whatever. Yeah, that's a complete myth. That's just made up by King James onlyists. They, they well, wait, was there... Up. So, well, okay, hang on. So we should be able to prove this, right? Was there or was there not... I mean, maybe this isn't for variants. Maybe this is just for the NIV, which I've never really been a fan of anyway. Maybe that's why. Um, but was there or was there not, like, a Catholic dude, like, on the council... Or, or like the group of people that did the NIV Bible, like that should be pretty easy to prove. Yeah, of there, and there were there are there are Catholic scholars on every translation committee. It doesn't mean that they had undue influence over the other Protestant scholars. Um, I mean, these are all just straw men that KJVO like burned down. If you really want to get into this, um, oh, I don't. James White, I, not you, but anybody who's listening. <laughs> the podcast or whatever if you really want to get into this topic the king james only controversy by dr james white is excellent i'm not a huge james white fan but he is excellent on this and he also has a really good talk on textual criticism where you can educate yourself on why the king james is acceptable but not best um, all right and and also um yeah and 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 just to just to close like there's nothing wrong with the King James. It's fine. If you're trying to do Bible study, probably not the best. All right, well, let's check back in with uh, Steph in Middle Earth. How are things in the Shire? Uh, glorious, yes. You're speaking like someone from the future. I, I don't... Lo, things were perfection on the plains of the Shire. I th Shut up, Google. Stop spying on me. Uh, I think uh, CEO had a question about yeah, Chris. Yeah, Chris, I got, I got two questions for you. So one, is there an AI-driven Bible that's been put together yet? Um, and then number two, so I was surprised when you said King James is the least accurate because there's times where I read the NIV and I just feel like with the modernization of words, sometimes it just completely changes the meaning of some scripture at different times. Oh, well now, okay. So there's also a difference between word for word translations and what they call dynamic translations. So the NIV is what we call a dynamic translation. That, that is thought for thought, not word for word. And so the NIV is considered a dynamic translation, not a paraphrase, but a dynamic translation. The ESV, the LSV, the NASV, those are word for word translations, which means they're a little harder to read, but they are going to be word for word and more accurate. 
Okay, what about what about the AI Bible? Is it has this has this been done yet? No, no, no. no, so so like we would never use an AI Bible. The what I'm talking about in terms of textual criticism is that you're able now uh, to compare all of the different manuscript families and all of their textual variants um, in a computerized and automated way in order to begin to ferret out what the worst textual variants are. So for instance, um, when you look at a lot of the Greek manuscript families, um, you can see if you've got a manuscript family and you have a, an error in the manuscript, you can see that copied down through the different families and it, within the family, right? And so um, what, the, what the computerization does is it helps us examine all of the examples of the raw manuscript families to try to get to a confidence level for what the actual text said by examining all the manuscript families at the same time. So why why wouldn't we do like an AI-based Bible, though? Wouldn't an AI be able to take every translation and, you know, all the original text and probably create the most accurate version ever? Would, would you be adverse to that? Yeah, well, I mean, that's basically... There's, there's an art to literature as well, not just a science. I mean, that's not too far removed, though. I mean, that's like man... man that's like a hybrid. That's like man and machine. Like, you have, you know, the... I mean, you have the human intellect to do the first translation, you know, with words, meaning of words, literal translation, whatever. And then if you check it through AI, like it's a great, it's a great checker. It's not so great at, you know, initiating. Well, I mean, think about this, like, you know, if, if I don't speak a different language, I only speak English, but like, if you're looking at, say, a Russian translation or a Japanese translation or a Korean translation, I have relatives that speak um, Japanese and Korean. Um, I mean, the, the translations that you're getting out of the machine, even with the most greatest Google AI and all the other AIs, it's, it just sucks. Like, it doesn't get to, to the meaning of what somebody's trying to say. I mean, it's getting better. I mean, think about it. Like, we don't use like, like if I go to the if I go to want to converse with somebody from another country, it's still going to be very difficult even going through an AI. Well, I guess the question though is, does AI get you closer than you otherwise would be? I mean. I would at think this point, that. no, no. I mean, I mean, at, the, at this point, I mean, we've pretty much got it hammered down. Like, turns out, yeah, you I know, mean, humans in a few thousand years were pretty good at getting stuff hammered out. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to come up with anything that's radically different. I mean, the translations are all very good, but this is why when we say when we're doing Bible study, we use multiple different translations. Like, like Sean was talking about earlier, we use ESV and LSB and. NIV and, you know, TLV and, you know, whatever else, and we compare them to, to you know, get more of a sense of the, the actual meaning that we're after. Um, will some stuff be changed? Like in the RSV, um, the, the, the NRSV, rather, the New Revised Standard Version, they mess with um, gender and all kinds of things. 
because they're trying to be inclusive. So like there is some of that stuff that starts to creep in. Um, you know, so so not every translation is built the same. I think the LSB for the modern reader is probably the most accurate, followed by the ESV. I had another question I wanted to ask, but I uh, I seem to have forgotten. Was that about KJV? Uh, no, the KJV was like a, a throwaway question. Like the, the one I really wanted to ask is the one I forgot. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can just go with the goodie. Uh, Easter is a pagan holiday. Ish Ishtar. Oh yeah. Yes, That's more cool. chocolate, please. <laughs> yeah. Steph's entire house is done up in chocolate Easter bunnies. It's not. I don't decorate. I'm terrible. And I married a Jehovah's Witness. It's a double double whammy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hang on. There are AI powered Bible translations available. One example is the AI powered translation engine developed by a company called Dabar Bible Technologies. Sure which uses machine learning algorithms to translate the Bible into different languages. Another example is the AI-powered translation tool developed by the American Bible Society, which uses artificial intelligence to help eh, translate the Bible into languages that, that do not ha yet have a complete translation. This tool is a combination. I don't care about combination. Uh, okay. Huh. So I guess uh, there are. Um, I mean, I have some questions about Debar Bible technologies, but there you go. Uh, it, it, Nate, whenever whenever you have a moment, I have a sci-fi related Bible scenario I'd like to ask Chris. Uh, Ooh, hooray! Aliens don't need to be gospelized. Not aliens. Jesus Not could alien. have died. Jesus could have died on a <laughs> yeah, whatever. Is it yeah, the Nephilim? Let's do the Nephilim instead. Okay, so if if humanity figured out found Jesus' DNA and cloned him. What would be what? What would you think would happen, or how would that play out? That's a horrific Why idea. Is Chris qualified to ask sci answer sci-fi questions. He would be like Kalos, the Emperor. I guess that's why. Does anybody get that Star Trek reference? Yes, thank you. I got I like it. Star Wars, not Star Trek. Answer the question. Answer. Um, yeah, fantastic. Kinda. Let me let, let let me add a layer to it. So you know, he he he's thirty now, and he starts preaching. Would you would you listen, or you just completely run for the hills? I mean, wait, oh wait, hang on. I, I was dodge guy. So I mean, I don't think we need a clone. Wait, are you saying? Okay, I was half tuned out. I was, I was trying to find out AI Bible translations. Are you saying if Jesus DNA was cloned, would we listen to him preach now? Correct. Yeah. So basically. Okay. No, no, you can't because that would be Jesus would be fully man, not fully God and man. So boom, Jesus might drop. No, because any DNA from Jesus now would have Jesus as fully man, only fully man. The Jesus we had when he was incarnated, fully man and fully God. All right. And what if, what if, you know, this 
clone claim could this clone be saved does it have a soul or it is soulless so all, all those sort of fun questions just like 90 seconds on it and i'll shut up if i cloned I have... steph would she have a soul does she now i don't know yeah, what's with you people this morning <laughs> what do you mean by you people you people you mean people what kind of coffee did you guys have today soulless i had finger cup I had hazelnut. I got a cup of morality. I got a big bowl of coffee. She would absolutely have a soul. (laughs) And her clone would have a soul because her soul is so freaking big. Thank you. Look. Wow. Yes. Yes. Ladies (laughs) uniting. I don't like it. Hey, did anyone just see the Canadian power lifter who, um, oh boy, I don't want to do, this is what happens when no one Is this where you want to go with this? This is where you want to go with this this morning? I mean, you've got CEO asking sci-fi stuff. You've got, you know, uh, let's just go there. And someone, ask something about Jesus. But the, the, there was a Canadian power lifting championship and for the Canadian rules of this organization, um, you, you identify however you feel. So there is this, you know, there's this trans woman who was shattering all the records and it, it's happened like over the weekend or last week. And there's like a legit dude, like big burly, like identifies as a male power lifter and all those other power lifters. Well, he didn't think it was right. Cause I think he said he had daughters or something like that. And you don't want to make things. He didn't like the direction it was going. So because the rules are so lax that it's just like based on how you feel. So he's like, I feel like a woman today. So he walks in, shatters like every single record, including the one set by the trans woman, and walks out a winner. Um, I just thought, you know, it's absurd that it, things have gotten to this point, but that made me chuckle, and I was proud of that guy. Okay, now we can talk about holy stuff. And all the women were standing at the side just like, okay then, you know, bro fight. Well, he was, he was I mean, doing it to point out the... yes. No, I got that. Yeah. I mean, I guess sometimes you know it's like people are like, I I don't know, is that like a race to the bottom? Is that that's not really getting into the gutter? But I mean, sometimes you got to go beyond what the other people are doing to I don't know, prove a point, make a case, like make things reset and fair again. I I don't know. What would the clone of Jesus think about that? That's a good. Well, the the human DNA of Jesus would probably agree with me because it's just common sense. Which I guess I'm claiming I have. So is that pride? Is that hubris? I don't know. Oh, that's hubris. A fallen man, saved by the grace of Jesus. Did they just mansplain you, Steph? They did, but I'm used to it now. So I uh, listen. I sit here quietly. We just we mansplain all the time. <laughs> oh no, that was a human. We're D- sad. That was a human clone DNA splain. That's fair. I don't like the idea of a clone of Jesus. That's giving me the heebie-jeebies. What about a I'm clone still of stuck you? On... That's fine. I don't know. Really? <laughs> I mean, I've okay, wait made... A minute, wait a minute. If there was children. a full-grown clone yeah. of you the same age yeah. that rolled into your house, like, how do you deal with that? Like, your kids what? are like, hey, mom. Just watch the movie clone. Multiplicity. I mean, probably call an exorcist. I mean, yeah. I would assume that the Star Trek <laughs> evil alternate universe is real at that point, and I'd check around for people I know with goatees, and then I would um, <laughs> ban Are them. Are you looking for the Marvel uni- multiverse or the DC multiverse? The DC multiverse isn't even mature, so come on now. 
Oh, no. Oh, I... Yeah, what? If we were cloned and we were... If we were all Calvinists and we were cloned, what would God do about the elect? Well, but if but if clone, remember, an elect is, are they still elect? Well, so even if even if God, because it's all about it's all about the soul, it's not about the matter. So all a clone is 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 the all a clone is is the material being. So it's it's just another person in that sense. So well, it would Calvin stand it would stand on it would stand on. Would God give each new clone made in a jar a soul? So if they didn't have a soul, then they would probably be treated like any other livestock, you know, from dust they were, from dust they go. If God did give them a soul, then I would have to think that would be an individual soul. It's like if you have identical twins, I mean, you know, on the outside, it looks like pretty much a clone, but they have very different personalities or souls. So, you know, to get serious, I would think that either it would have no soul, which I, I would just assume no. I would assume if it were a being on a human level, however, it would have a soul and that soul would be unique from the, the clone because a clone is just matter. But remember so, uh, what God said, get your own dirt. As a Calvinist, and, and this Calvinist is cloned, how would that Calvinist feel if the clone was elected and the other was not? <laughs> Thank goodness for, um, uh, what is it, uh, identity politics? I would just identify as a Calvinist in that case. <laughs> I, I would just identify as that clone that made it in. You think God plays that game? Wait, you would challenge God <laughs> and go, wait, all. wait, no, God, you got the wrong one. I, I'm the original. That's the that's the clone that you made a mistake with. I wouldn't say he got it wrong. I'd just be like, well, I identify as them. It'd be a cool uh, thing with them. I'd be like, yeah, so am I. I have a feeling that would be one of the, uh, you know, get behind me and I never knew you things. So let's just to follow Jesus now, repent and believe the gospel, then we never have to worry about any of this. James. That's right. James. All right. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get, 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 get ready. You know, I thought we'd have more people talking about Ishtar and, you know, pagan Easter for all of us Christians. I guess, is it too early in the week? <laughs> it is. It's not I don't know. Yet. Oh, I, I know one thing. No, all you gotta do is just go to the Hebrew Israelite channels. <laughs> None of those pop up in my feed, but I also don't really look at my feed, so. <laughs> oh, there was one all night that had a thousand people in it. Because I was up at three in the morning and it still had a thousand people oh, in it. Oh. Taking care of the little one? Yes. She's sick and grumpy. Uh, I thought about, you know. I don't know. Tossing well, her out the window last well, night. But then I woke up with lay hands. Maybe we should just get some oil, lay hands, and pray. Does that work on ear infections? I don't know. That's what I mean, the Bible could. said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ask, ask uh, did you call for the elders of the church? Let them anoint them with oil and let them pray. That's that's what that's James 5. I like that idea, but I also like <laughs> antibiotics. That the good Lord provided so us. So do with. I. I you know, God, you go. God, God put doctors oh. on the turf for a reason. Um, so, uh, uh, Apostle, do you have a church that you lead or or have a role at? I'm just asking for a reason. I always say, you know, I look at the here the 
what salvation means, the meaning of salvation, and part of it says healing. Uh, no, Excuse me, I make myself some coffee. The apostle just asking, do you is there a church that you you currently lead? Yeah, I, I'm at God's Lighthouse Tabernacle International Ministries, where I'm also uh, teach at a, I also teach at a Bible college and teach history of okay. Christianity. Okay, cool. I, I just have a question for you. Why do you think so many pastors try to uh, speak about? revelations as though they do know when it's coming or we're in the end times now and all that sort of stuff. Well, according to Acts chapter 2, we've been in the last days since Acts chapter 2. Um, but also, number one, the Bible, we, we've said this, we've been speaking about this earlier. Nobody knows our today. If you're a human being, you don't know. If you're an angel, you don't know. Only God knows. I don't know why folks try to uh, do, do do date setting, but uh, I know I don't. I can't do that. That's forbidden for, by the scripture because I don't know because I I'm a human being just like you. All I know is that some folk, because of during times, and you know, each century, you know, it gets more wicked and more wicked because cause man is sinful and they they like to sin and like to repeat these ungodly things that is going on. This isn't the first time the LGBTQI community have have. You missed some letter, you bigot. <laughs> I got a cousin who's part of that community. Come on. And when my uncle died, his grandfather, my great uncle, my his grandfather passed away. And he was over there crying so heavily and was un- inconsolable. I didn't look at him as a, a transgendered person. I looked at him as my cousin. And went over and hugged him and comforted him. That ain't no bigotry that. And I know you weren't being serious, but I just had to put that in. Um, but uh, no, but uh, also, this isn't the first time that people have committed, like during the Crusades, there was some big atrocities done by, in the name of Jesus that was not in the name of Jesus. The Klan in America do things in the name of Jesus, and obviously, it's not Jesus. Transatlantic slave trade was done in the name of Jesus. Yeah, obviously, it was not Jesus. So, there there have been atrocities down through the years done in the name of Jesus. Much wickedness. It just steps up and, and goes at a higher cataclysmical level during, during each century. That's why people are saying that we got to look at the book of Revelation. Yeah, the book of Revelation, you're supposed to read it. You're supposed to study it. But <laughs> I was trying to date set. No, I don't do that. The Bible forbids that. Did you kick Sky with your mod badge stuff? Did I kick? Who? I did not. No, but I did tell her oh. that that was enough. I think she just left. No, I didn't boot her. What was she saying? Just the balancing thing. Oh, and then she had said, "There, uh, light versus dark. 
light versus the dark evil and good. We are all balanced within the existence. I mean, that's some Mimi nonsense. I'm not here for it this morning. I would have never thought that would be the level that gets you because you deal with some crazy stuff. Yeah, she's falling in the tracks of uh, one who's been bothering me lately. There's this, I mean, well, okay. There's a whole other story. Yeah, S got it. Yep, thank I want, I, I want, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to know, but I do. Chris has some drama. You've got drama. Goodness. No, there's like, Keep your own corner, Nate. There, there's this woman on this app who goes in the other, in the other rooms, like Sister Cherry's rooms and, uh, and Rick Real and all those guys. And she goes by Mimi, but she, she'll come in and she'll just muse endless prose like that about like, Jesus is the light and Satan is the dark. And then, you know, all this battle occurs within us. And if we don't follow uh, the stars to perfection, then we will over, we'll be overcome by the dark. And then, you know, you ask them what the gospel is. It's this whole coven of women that do this. So I was just assuming that she was coven. one of them. Uh, so like yeah. Coven. That's me. She yeah. uh -huh. Is she a, I mean, is she a Wiccan? I don't know what they are, no. Sean. Like the, Chris knows who I'm talking about. Yeah, she's what? She's oneness. I wouldn't even be that generous. Like she is some like kind of mushroom taking, you know, <laughs> philosophy musing oh, Eastern philosophy. Yeah, that's exactly. Man, now you're talking about serendipity. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't try to pit the girls against each other, Chris. It won't work. That's right. It's because you're in a coven. Well. <laughs> not, the, not the same kind of coven, no. I know, right? <laughs> I'm just saying that Steph suspiciously weighs the same as a duck. Wish. Weigh the same as like oh. 50 ducks. Seven hundred. Oh, hang on. Someone, someone's joining us. Maybe they have a question actually about God. <laughs> What's up? I actually do, Versus buddy. First of all, hello. What's up? Hope you're well. Hello. Thank Salutations. You. Um, so, I'm a student of life. I like to learn about, you know, uh, dead religions, concepts, empires, you know, approaches to life and views and so on. And I learned about mysticism. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but a few months ago. And I found out that a lot of the mystic rituals, which was the pre-Christian Roman religion, a lot of the rituals, as well as a lot of its concepts, have been adapted into the modern age. And some of them even into Catholicism. Just curious if you know much about mysticism, if you know much about its origins, its you know concepts, and maybe we could have a discussion about this if that's cool for you, of course. Uh, it's you're a little hard to understand. Are you talking about Mithra? Yeah, Mithra, mysticism. All right, that's the topic on the table. Who wants to talk about Mithra? There we go. And I and I suppose okay. the you would say like these similarities between that and yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Which... So from. From, for example, our weekdays, we have seven weekdays, each base, you know, and uh, the three, uh, this, uh, initiation grades, we had seven three initiation grades, each of them based on one of the known planets at the time. Uh, our weekdays, for example, the order of it, you know, we have, uh, you know, well, wait, Saturday, wait, wait, wait. Are Sunday. Are you saying our, like, this is the uh, the faith that you're about to preach? I'm not about to preach anything. I'm simply sharing what I know. And hoping to hear what other people know. But you're you're from this, the, like you're not just curious about this topic. This is actually a a, a faith that you would identify. No, 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 with, like, no, no. no. I don't know much. There's not enough about Muslims for me to have a faith. I don't have a faith. I'm agnostic. I believe in God. I believe in goodness. I believe in humanity. But I don't really believe in any particular religion or anything because I believe that you know, there's many different approaches to the same thing. 
But I'm not here to preach, if that's your question. Oh, I'm still unclear. Yeah, so, do, do you... Well, uh, well, Steph, I mean, I think, like, I'm, I'm not as familiar with, like, Mithra, but, like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Persian, uh, but, I mean, this is probably a compare and contrast. Like, I am familiar with, like, Horus much more, because the story is way more entertaining. But some See, people I'm not will try to, to say... Oh, yeah. okay, well, let me catch you up real quick. Um, th this is the... This is not necessarily a straw man version, but it's ridiculously close to what, what the story actually says. So I think what we, we wanted, he was wanting to do with Mithra and Jesus is compare how they're similar and then predate it. Uh, so like kind of how people say, well, Horus and Jesus are very, very similar. Christianity ripped off from Horus because, you know, then they'll say like popular things like they're both born of a virgin. They were both da, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But when you actually read the story of Jesus, you know, an angel of the Lord says, you're going to, you know, you're going to have a son. He's going to be God with you. His name's called Emmanuel. And, you know, he's, he's going to be, um, you know, the savior of mankind. Um, and then you look at the story of Horus and, you know, it's something like Horus's mother was raped by her, his father and she was mad, cut off his penis, threw it in the Nile River. It turned to gold and she used that as a phallus to then get pregnant with Horus. So I'm like, okay, well, if you're trying to say Horus and Jesus are exactly the same because of these miraculous births, um, turns out they're actually not really similar. Anyway, so that's the, that's when you compare Horus. Yeah, Horus was a him, god, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, or demigod or something like that. But whenever you compare Horus to Jesus, that's the kind no, of no, thing no. I have you no find. idea about okay. Horus. I don't know anything. Okay, well, now you do. Brought me now. <laughs> Well, now I do, yeah, exactly. No, look, there's some things which, for example, like, from my understanding, from what my readings, um, in Mithraism, they had underground temples which had a hatch in the roof. And whenever it was a full moon, they had a ceremony, initiation ceremonies. They had seven initiation grades, each of them based on one of the planets. Uh, and um, you know how we have, like, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, in that order? So day of Saturn, day of Sunday, of moon? Um, the, in the exact reverse order, the moon, the sun, and the Saturn were the fifth, sixth, and the seventh initiation grades of Mithraism. Then you have the breaking of the bread and the, the wine, you know, which is obviously in Catholicism is observed as you know, um, you know, the, the blood and the flesh uh, of God. And the, again, in Mithraic initiation grades, from my understanding, they uh, had ceremonies like this where you know they um, you know kind of broke bread and you know exchanged food and. Their wines were actually mixed with Amanita muscaria mushrooms. Other name is flying Amanita, which is the red and white mushroom. It's in Super Mario. There's a lot of symbology and a lot well, so, of things which you've kind of like. Got. Well, well, yeah. So I mean, I get. I mean, you know, broken clock is right twice a day. I mean, that's like you know around Christmas and solstice. You know how many cultures all had some sort of celebration. That's kind of what we're talking about here. It's like you know they have different rituals or rites that you know could be considered similar, all not the same. But when we want to talk about actually you know jesus and mithra i mean mithra he was born from a rock right or like a piece of slab like mithra was born from a rock yeah, so yeah, if we want to compare like if we want to compare the moon well if i can because you, you said a, a lot there, so let me just try to let, let me just try to catch up so if you want to compare kind of like cultures and similarities i would chalk that up to like you know it's sunday lots of people have things on sunday that they do that doesn't mean it's like you know someone's plagiarizing a culture that just means you know it's a certain day it's a certain custom it's a certain festival or season. So there would be lots of similar things. I'm on about exclusive you know, the name, was, buddy. Well, and the order. Huh? Uh, right, Sunday, okay. well, day uh, of sun. Monday, day of moon. Saturday, day of Saturn. You know, so I'm exclusively on about the name and the initiation right. rates. Of the but what I'm, well, what I'm trying to talk about is the difference between Mithra and Jesus. So 
anyways, I was starting with a rock. So Jesus was born of a virgin from God. Mithra was born from a rock. So as far as similarities and customs, in Christianity, we don't really care about that. We care about the we care about the person named Jesus. So that that's where I was going. So let's start with Jesus being born of a virgin, immaculately conceived, son of God, God himself, death, burial, resurrection, versus Mithra, who was born of a rock. Can we start there? Is that fair? So how how would you compare like being born from a rock with a virgin? Well, birth? again, um, this concept of Trinity and all that. Look, um, <clears throat> how I see is this that from my understanding, of course, you know, the sun and the moon conceived the child on winter solstice, the longest night of the year, which many years ago was you know on the twenty fifth of December. Nowadays, it's uh, around twentieth, twenty first of December. In which in Iran, I'm Iranian originally. I'm not a Muslim. I hate Islam. Don't mistake me for one. Uh, but uh, in Iran, even after you know all these years, we still have cultures, you know, which are you know pre, uh, which uh, predate Islam from you know our New Year to you know um, a night that we have on winter solstice called Shabayalda or Zayeshameh, which means birth of Mithras. You know, and it's just interesting to me how you know cultures somehow relate and concepts and ideas somewhat you know if you look deep back, it seems they seem to root from the same sort of ideas. Well, hang on. Well, well, maybe there would be some ideas, but I mean, just, you know, for example, like if we want to talk about, like, I, I'm trying to recall, I'm trying to read stuff. I can't even find stuff quick enough. But like, as far as when we want to say similarities, if we're talking about the things you're talking about, that's so far removed from anything Christians care about. Like we're talking about the people, right? It, it's not about a ritual or a right. It's about the people. So if we're trying to compare a one for one, Jesus, his death, burial and resurrection versus Mithra, we, we can't even really find, like, it's so scattered, like, we can't even find a lot of detail. I versus agree. What, just... what, like, Jesus, well, like, Jesus, how he's, you know, sacrificed very clearly on a cross for the forgiveness of mankind, Mithra is, like, you know, equated with sacrificing of, like, bulls and blood of animals. And then, Yeah, there's something anyways, about so I'm, bulls I'm... as well that I don't understand. Let me tell you this. So Let me even tell you simpler than this, right? I'll go yeah, e even simpler than this, that your question is more about like, you know, why do cultures come up with things so similarly? How come the Epic of Gilgamesh also mentions a flood? How come the Mithras uh, cult also uh, celebrated a form of Eucharist? I mean, if we look at Mithras, right, they didn't even appear, their art and their relics, it's saying, didn't even appear until well into the first century AD. And they seemed most prol prolific in the third and fourth. So who do you think they were borrowing from? It's like Islam did this too when well, you date their writings. It's it's not a mystery why these things are related. It's one culture observing the uh, the rapid spread of another, right? So these Greeks or these these uh, Greeks are observing the spread of Christianity. They're adopting Christian early Christian customs, and then they're creating art and developing off of it. It's not. It's not that mysterious. It's a it's a counterfeit uh, spinoff of Christianity. If you look at the dates and the locations, oh, absolutely. Uh, that's what we absolutely. have. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not just Christianity. There's a lot of things that Islam's kind of like, you know, borrowed. For example, it's symbology, the crescent moon and the star. If you look at the last pre-Islamic, uh, you know, Iranian Persian dynasty, uh, they had, uh, you know, crescent moon and the star on all four corners of their coins. Type in Sasanian coins, you'll see. Um, again, um, in Mithraism, the fifth initiation grade, which was the moon, then the sun, and then Saturn, uh, the fifth was called Perses. Perses in Latin means Persian. Then it was obviously the sun, uh, and then uh, you had Pater, which was the father, you know. And then it was, again, 
Uh, what I'm saying is, you know, these symbologies, you know, uh, and then if you look, if you trace that same symbol back, you find it in on the Indian god Shiva. You know, there's sort of a crescent moon. So what's your, and again, what's, you know, is your thesis here that Mithras, this is what I was trying to get at first, is your thesis here that Mithras is to be paid attention to as something legitimate, or no, are no, you no. just pointing what, out what, that what's different fascinating cultures... What's fascinating is this. You know, like, we look at, like, for example, across our, you know, cultures, countries, schools, timelines, we look at different kind of things, we learn different things, you know, for example, ancient Egypt, ancient Greece, things that don't uh, really exist nowadays. But mm -hmm. when it comes to one of the most predominant religions across history, which was then ultimately destroyed and everyone was labelled as pagans all of a sudden. Uh, oh, because okay, so your thesis you know, is that, okay, I'm with you, hold on. Your thesis why does no one know about it, that's all. Okay, so your thesis is that Mithras was one of the most predominant uh, religions in the first through fourth century, and why was it destroyed? That's your question. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Okay, okay, I'm with you now. Uh, the answer is that it wasn't. So this is actually well into my wheelhouse. So when we look at the uh, art history is where we uh, would go to identify the most impactful and, uh, and like you're saying, prolific religions or um, belief systems. We, we would look at their art. There is no, there is so little Mithras art that we can't even identify them in, uh, in different locations. Their, their temples don't exist. Um, th there's, this is not a, pr a predominant faith of anybody. But, um, but this, from my understanding, Steph, uh -huh. there, sorry, I do apologize. Is, oh, it was the predominant uh, religion of the Roman soldiers. And just uh, uh, less than a hundred years before Constantine the Third, um, you know, officialized uh, Christianity as the official religion of his, you know, uh, his empire. Um, you know, Mithraism had been announced as the official religion just a hundred years before, about eighty odd years. Um, um, well, can you cite a, any of that? Because the, there yeah, is yeah, no source to state that Mithras is a predominant anything. So if you're saying that it was, it was. sort of a folklore among yeah maybe maybe put a source in the chat because this is something okay, that i know a little about from, okay. absolutely this is something that i know a little bit about for my art history background um but not a you know if you have some other source then maybe but they, they don't exist they're not in the record this isn't anything to be this is like the most weird offshoot not uh they didn't make i knew there's a reason right? i made your monday day stuff <laughs> right? they didn't make art they didn't preserve writings. They didn't have large places of worship that have survived. Uh, they weren't politically involved. What you're describing is a perhaps um, pervasive folklore of Roman soldiers for 300 years. And in the grand scheme of religious human history, that's not even a blip. That's that's like some hearsay in on the battlefield for a couple hundred years. That's not, you know, I, I don't know. I'm still trying to get to the thesis here. It's like, okay, so cool. I just got the, I just sent the, uh, like a link. Uh, it's from Britannica, you know, which is a, you know, a trustworthy library. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it says, it reads, if you open it, Mithraism, the worship of Mithra, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to waste your time. I'm just going to skip forward. Uh, known as Mithras is uh, in the Roman Empire during the 2nd and 3rd uh, centuries uh, CE, common era. That This deity was honored as a patron of loyalty to the emperor. After the acceptance of Christianity by the emperor Constantine in the early 4th century, Mithraism rapidly declined. Um, and then it's just, uh, again, you know, our friend, uh, the gentleman, you know, in this room mentioned, uh, you know, that he's sacrificing a bull and spilling his blood. I looked up into the symbology, like, you know, the torchbearers to, the, to, to his side. Wait, before we go See, back to that, before we go back go on, to sorry. that, because it's, it seems like what you, what you're trying to do is sort of talk about how great this thing is by relating it to other things. Um, but what I'm going to tell you is we're still, we're still not establishing that this is any kind of religion worth acknowledging 
Um, this is an offshoot it would be of, a, of a, a lot cult. of the Christians, early Christians, you know, were misgraced. Right. So well, now we've come full circle. Um, it, it it wouldn't be. It would never be. This was uh, rightfully snuffed out for being folklore, and it never survived in the art, and it never survived in the record. So if this well, is a, a cult enough, and a, um, if this is a belief system that you are interested in, uh, it has. You can go ahead and study that, right? But it has no connection to christianity other than being a counterfeit offshoot okay. and it has One made no point, significant Madam. footprint in the historical record fair enough that's your view i respect that uh, just one question madam you know where the if you look at just type in mithras relief and you see mithras sacrificing the bull you see the hat that mithras is wearing it's called a phrygian cap or a phrygian uh, hat with a ph and uh, if you look at santa claus hat you know or like some I'll of these uh, you know the pope's oh. hats you know these are very much similar and mimics of these hats well, so, I mean, I don't have a problem with that because that has nothing to do with Jesus. Like, if a pope wants to do a thing, so Christmas I don't, I don't and Santa Claus the, have nothing to do with Jesus. Hang on. Santa, I mean, if you want to talk about, like, Saint Nick, like the actual Saint Nick, I mean, we can, where are you going? Or if you're talking about a guy that, you know, has a, a bunch of children set on his lap at a mall, which is kind of weird. I mean, so depending where you're going with Santa Claus, but, you know, if you want to talk about the Saint Nicholas, I'm saying the pope and Santa Claus has nothing to do with, with me. Because that's not my religion. So if you if you want to talk to a Catholic about the Pope, fine. But I mean, I have plenty of problems with them. But as far as Jesus, um, you know, your your contentions have nothing to do with that. And then you know, it's no no doubt that you know people will think that contrast is the big thing, is the big separator. But it's actually the more similar things are, the more far they really are apart. So when you want to compare similarities and say, well, look how similar this is. That's actually worse than if you said, look, uh, this is Mithra, you know, the, the story of Mithra or Mithra's doctrine or religion, and it's so different from Christianity. While I would still disagree, that would be better than trying to compare similarities because you said you had problems with Islam earlier. Well, they will often try to compare how similar it is, but th that's, that's the point. Like, that's the part that's all wrong because even in the day of Jesus, you had other people who were claiming to be Jesus. You had other people who were like, you know, different versions of Jesus, different messiahs. And they were trying to set themselves up as very similar, so similar that the followers of the actual Jesus, the one that was raised and ascended to heaven, should follow them. And so it wasn't like they were saying we're, we're so different. They were saying, no, look how similar we are. So if you want to talk about similarities, like these people who are leading cults around during the time of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, uh, these people had way more going for them than they did because they did like all kinds of stuff Jesus did. The only difference is they were not actually Jesus. So that would be like akin to deception by, you know, the Bible tells us to kind of watch out for these things. They're like, look, if it's not coming from the actual Jesus who was crucified, raised from the dead, then that's an imposter. So it's actually when you, when people start talking about how similar something is to Jesus or Christianity, that's like more of a red flag than if they said, hey, let me tell you about something completely different from Christianity just for frame of reference. Um but hang on, there, there was the, the good person, who the good adult. I wanted to get to them because they've been waiting here forever. Um, so I guess we can get a follow-up if you want. But I wanted to check in with good adult real quick and see if they had anything to say. Uh, not about what the Mithras conversation, but I did have a question. Sure. Uh, okay, uh, so um, my question is rooted in uh, Amos 7, um, 7 to 9. Um, and so obviously you, you all here are, are teachers 
and uh, authorities, uh, you know, understanders of Scripture. So I just want to get your understanding of this verse from Amos 7 to, to 9, where it says, Thus he showed me, and behold, the Lord stood upon the wall made by a plumb line, with, the, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said unto me, Amos, what seest thou? And I said, A plumb line. Then said the Lord, Behold, I will set a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not again pass by them anymore. Uh, and so my question is uh, two-part. A, what is, the, what is a plumb line? What does the plumb line represent? And what is the importance of the, or your, what is your, what's the word y'all like to use? Exegesis, I believe the term is, of this scripture. Oh, I got this. So a plumb line yes, is Stephanie. a thing that a contractor uses where they might stand up on a roof or a framing structure and drop a string with a weight on it all the way down. And it shows you exactly 90 degrees from the horizon. So if the Lord is saying that he's dropping a plumb line to his people, he's saying that he is show like a plumb line shows the way you should build. It's the marker for uh, how you're going to build outward or upward. So that's the first part of your question. I'll never question your modship again, Steph. It was amazing. That was pretty good. Yeah. All right, Chris, you said wake you up when the Mithra thing was over, so we're waking you up. Well, 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 you, you didn't answer the rest of the question. Well, well she yeah, said that was part one. So Guys, thank you now. for your time. So, Just uh, want to say thank you. Oh, thank you, Percy. Sure thing. Yeah. So, uh, so good. Um, what, was the, what was the verse in question? It was Amos. You said seven and then blew by it. Uh, good adult. All right. I'm, yeah, I'm sorry. I hope. Should I repeat the question again? Just the no, second the part. You asked what a plumb line was, Just and then what was the? Yeah. What's the reference? Well, Amos what? Oh, the verse that I read to you all. Uh, it's Amos. Yes. It was Amos seven, from seven to nine is what I just read. Yes, that's what he was asking for. And I think your question was, how is God a plumb line to the Jews? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. What the was question, your question? Just ask your question again, good adult. I don't know who that is. Um, this is Hampton. Hi, Hampton. Okay, so again, I obviously wasn't coming to, to you all to know what an actual plumb line is, though, but, I, but that is part of the question. So that is what, it, it, in its real world use, okay, absolutely, we agree on that. Um, but in addition, my question was, what is the significance of this scripture as it pertains to um, the representation of the plumb line and its usage in this scripture? And that's why I said, I, I think the term is used exegete, or I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sure you, you all Exegesis. do. Exegesis. Thank you, my friend. And so I, I followed up with saying, could you break down, or give me rather, in, in layman's term, your understanding of this scripture and its importance. Sure. I go to so, Home Depot if I just wanted to know what a plumb line actually was. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, you did say what the heck is a plumb line. Right. So, I mean, yes. you know, if we exegete what you said, um, you know, you, you, one would one would think that you were really saying what the heck is a plumb line. Anyways, we covered that. So, uh, Chris, you were speaking. Going back a couple of verses, it gives us a bit more context. Then I said, this is Amos speaking, Lord Yahweh, please stop. How can Jacob rise up? For he is small. Yahweh relented concerning this. This too shall not be, said the Lord Yahweh. Thus he showed me, 
and behold, the Lord was standing by a wall made with a plumb line, and in his hand was a plumb line. And Yahweh said to me, What do you see, Amos? And I said, A plumb line. Then the Lord said, Behold, I am about to put a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will pass over them no longer. The high places of Isaac will be desolated, and the sanctuaries of Eden of Israel laid waste, then I will rise up against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Okay. So, what's the house of Jeroboam? Anybody? Bonus points for anybody who gets this. I do not know. What is the house of Jeroboam? Jeroboam was the first king of Israel, the ten northern tribes, uh, that broke off from Solomon after Solomon died. So we had Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and he is he is cursed throughout Scripture um, for being a wicked, wicked king, and he is the one who split Israel. And so you had the king of Judah and the king of Israel. This is a prophecy against the king of Israel. That's what the, that's what the meaning of this verse is. Oh, and the good killed someone. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I missed that last part. Uh, forgive me, I had gotten a phone call. This Didn't... is a prophecy against the king of Israel. All right. Well, there is your question answered. You oh, he has a phone call again. So, Gay Boy says your name. Uh, what's up? <laughs> I think I think Stefan knows your actual name, but I, I don't. So, what's up? If you're speaking. Okay, so I uh, pardon me. I'm early morning here at work. Um, so just so I'm clear, I think it was Christopher who was speaking a moment ago, if I'm not mistaken, that the the understanding that you, that you all have uh, is that this scripture seven two nine um, is speaking about a particular prophecy. Is that correct? Yeah, Amos was a pre-exilic prophet. He was a contemporary of Jonah. Yes, yes, yes. Understood. That's who Amos is. And this particular uh, verse is speaking to a particular prophecy. Is that correct, sir? Yeah, it's talking about uh, Israel. It's talking about the sons of Jeroboam. Remember Jeroboam, son of Nebat? King of the Ten Tribes of Israel. Remember that guy? Is he still on? Is he still on the phone? This no, is no, no. I'm like, not on the phone, uh, Nate. I'm actually listening uh, for, for for the instructions from Chris, and I'm not sure if he's being genuinely he says, trying to teach me or he's trying to be, you know, somewhat silly. No, okay, I think he so didn't hang on. Know uh, if you were wait, still wait. there. Oh no, no. I'm uh, still well, here. I'm this, still here. Ah, at this point, it sounds like you're trying to slow walk us to a conclusion that you have. Could you just tell us what that is so we can talk about it instead of? you know, doing this back and forth, but can you just tell us the point you want to make? I'm making no point. I came to you with questions, and I wanted to clarify to Chris, if, if I understood his answer properly, that he's suggesting to me that the scripture for which I brought forth is a prophecy that Amos was presenting, and then he had a follow-up question of saying, do I know who a, another particular speaker was? I, I didn't hear him clearly. His voice was tapering off, but... Okay. He says, do so you remember Jeroboam? I thought you, you keep showing me that you're on the phone. Anyway... So Jeroboam, son of Nebat, are we aware of who this is? No, no, Chris, no, no, no. I, I'm not a teacher, so I'm not aware of who that is, but okay, go ahead. Okay. All right, so, so the first king of the ten tribes of Israel to the north 
was Jeroboam, son of Nebat. And so if you read Chronicles or you read um, like any of the historic books uh, that go back through the histories of the kings of Israel, like First and Second Kings, First uh, and Second Chronicles, you're going to see him mentioned all the time because he is a placeholder for the sin of Israel. Okay? Like, he is the first really, really wicked king of Israel. And remember, Israel, the ten northern tribes, never had a righteous king. All of their kings were wicked. They were carried off into exile first. And then, uh, a couple hundred years later, the tribe of Judah and Benjamin followed with the Assyrians. So Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which is one of my favorite things to say, um, is what is in reference here. It literally says it in verse 9. Does that answer your question, good adult? Yeah, I think he's answered it to the best of his, abil of his ability, and I appreciate that. Well, I mean, all right, I'll um, guys, I'm about to you go. It. I'll, I'll holler well, at y'all tomorrow. I'll see y'all tomorrow. Well, I mean, I'll give you a pat on the back, Chris, and say you answered it. I mean, to, if to be the best of your ability means accurately, then th good job. Uh, thank you, Christopher. Thank you. Sure. Welcome, Vaniel. Good hey, morning. Hey, Vaniel. What's going on, guys? Huzzah! Greetings and salutations. Steph, did you know Gay Boy? Like, I just call people by their titles, and that was I his did. title. Yes, so it sounded like you knew his name. Me and Serendipity both know him. So he, oh, uh, oh. it looks like he left, yeah. He's kind of fun. Like, I want to hear what he had to say. I mean, it, it had to be better than the Mithra stuff. Like, I just, I, gosh, I, it's like we're the dumbest people on earth. It's like, have you guys heard the similarities between uh, Mithras and Christianity? It's exactly the same. And then they start talking. It's like, bro, nothing is the same. It's like, do you know how Jesus and Horus are exactly the same? I'm like, you mean Horus's magical golden penis from his rapist father? Sure, exactly like the story of Jesus. Yeah, you didn't catch that part in um, the Gospel of Thomas? Come on, <laughs> Devil's gonna devil. Yep. I don't know, man. It just seemed like that guy had a... Had a I don't know. Like, it, it just seemed like he had an interpretation. And yeah. He didn't get to say right. it. He didn't get to say it because, you know, you, you answered it, you know, being a, a wise teacher, because I guess I guess that's the title we hang up by just being like, hey, we're a bunch of Christians that believe the Bible. Ask us about eternal life. See Jesus. Um, but good job, Chris and Steph. Well, I, I think it's so interesting. People act like the Bible isn't enough, as though they have to have this extra stuff. And they spend a lot of people spend more time on the extra stuff than they do on the actual Bible. I know, right? It's so weird because it's it's like the Bible is so I mean the Bible is not simple, but it's like the gospel is very simple. So simple that people are usually it's like Jesus, oh, great, sure, sure, whatever. Jesus, yeah, great. And they don't argue a whole lot about that. Like they may be like, Well, I don't believe it because it's not a religion, but then the thing they want to argue is this this nonsense off to the side. It's like, well, stay on keep the main thing the main thing. And then when people like have these other like Hey, the secret knowledge, just like special revelation and 
you have to read the Bible and every other letter highlighted, you know, in red and purple, and that's going to give you the true meaning of Scripture. It's like, oh my gosh, is repent and believe not enough? Apparently it's not. Hey, other stuff. Welcome, other stuff. Steph, do you have a twin down there? Anyone that likes, feel free to jump up and speak about anything. Hey, Fury, welcome. Or type your question in chat. Hey, Reverend Dorvey. So is everyone celebrating Ishtar with uh, Easter egg bunny hunts? Because we did that yesterday. And uh, we're, it was really hot, so all the, um, all, all the um, eggs were melted. So my kids had to throw away all their candy, which I was too disappointed about. I'm like, great, save a, save a trip to the dentist. Uh, I want to know, why do, you, um, yeah, why do you follow God? Because I believe that is the way to go. Okay, why is that? Can you because can you my... make your question more specific? I think then it'll be easier for any of us to answer it. It's very broad. Can you drill it down one level deeper? Uh, I don't really think so. Okay. Why do you not? I don't see any way in relegating my inquiry. I think it's that's the most you can get from that. So I follow God because something in me, um, you know, knew this is not happenstance. So I looked around. I'm like, how did I get here? How did stuff get here? Is it by accident? And then as I lived my life, the totality of my experience told me there must be more. And I learned about religions. I grew up around different religions and different beliefs, pr predominantly Christianity. And I knew all the stories and there came a part where I definitely believed, you know, there was an intelligent creator being and I knew all the Christian stories and believed that was probably right. But there was a time when I wanted to really be certain, if possible, that this was right. So I explored different religions, different beliefs, um, didn't get very far because I just saw too many issues with them that prevented me from going any further. And then I drilled down in my own teachings because I knew all the Sunday school stories and the Bible stories and stuff like that. And I finally got to the part where, you know, the Bible has some claims Jesus makes. And of these claims, he says, repent, believe the gospel, exercise a little faith to believe that, you know, he is this creator God and everything will, will make sense. It will kind of click together. So what I did that. So how is, everything got here? Well, you asked my how matter was created. Was it by accident? Like, was it by random just happenstance? Or was there a, a being that designed or produced this stuff? So was it created or uh, was it created by a being or was it just randomly splurted out in space and formed together as we know it? Anyway, so going back to wherever I mean, it was. Do you have an argument for why it would be more rational to believe in God? Well, I have a question. Did you want sure. my answer? Because you ask if I why I believe in God, so I'm I'm about three quarters way telling you, and you want to go back to the beginning. So which which way? Well, would I'm you not like to going back to the beginning. I'm going to an initial point you've made as to why. Okay, so do you want to like jot this down on a notepad, and, or do you not don't want allow me to answer your original question? Did you not answer the original question? 
I am. You said, why do I believe in God? And I'm almost done explaining. Okay, then, yeah, you could continue. Sure. So basically, because it seems like you're on a timetable, I did what Jesus says in the Bible, and I found it to be true and trustworthy, and I exercised faith, and my spirit bears witness that this is legit. This is true. That's why I believe in God. So would you, could you do the same um, for me and maybe tell me why you don't believe in God if you want to? If not, we can talk about the space thing or whatever. Sure. I think it's irrational to believe. Okay. Why? Uh, multiple reasons. Okay. Um, What's number one? Sure. Um, God, it is illogical for God to possess a mind. It is, yeah, it is illogical for God to possess a mind. Um, well, you're, you're parroting that so fast from a source you've memorized, it, it's hard to understand. Could you say that a little clearer? Um, it is impossible for God to have a mind. Okay, why? Um, because by definition, a mind is a conscious, a conscious state. And why is that not a God? Are okay, you talking about because, a general God or any God? Because no, because consciousness is a con content contentful mental state, and a world is something that is external to the mind as the basis for furnishing the content. So, if God possesses omniscience external to any world that furnishes it, his mind, that comes into logical contradiction. So I, I have a response for this. So just out of curiosity, monkey boy, let, let's say that you're correct. Could it be possible that God doesn't have exactly a mind, but in human language, the closest we can come to describing it is the mind? Sure, yeah. That's what we go, uh, someone named Jack Ingstrike would call it smallage instead of knowledge. But really, that's just an ad hoc hypothesis, but sure. But yeah, sure. Go. I guess that's fine. But the fact is, we don't know if God is of, of any manner. So, I mean, following God, right? How do you know anything of the Bible is even true? What I just said. Yeah, I, that you I, feel I in your spirit. If you're if you're looking for pure analytical analytical reasons to get there, I I don't think any of us would be able to offer you that. Um, it, it 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 does at the end of the day come down to personal experience. Now, if you want to talk about some of the top level things, I mean, like I sit here and look at you know abiogenesis or spontaneous generation, which are the leading theories on how life came to earth and those both seem preposterous so how you end up going from stone to organic life at the level in which we experience it sorry about it and, and to and to suggest that that just happened and we're beginning to understand how rare life is in general to me seems like a stretch without some divine inter inter Yeah, it seems to stretch the other way around. Okay, well, if we take it one level deep, one level deeper, like I mean, just look at like the Fibonacci sequence. Like I think that's how you know most people, regardless of a specific god or anything, get to some form of deism or intelligent design. Like you've got the same the same patterns you see in like snails as you do in galaxies and in pineapples. Like either that's just a crazy coincidence, like the biggest coincidence the worlds have ever known. Or there's something behind that. Yeah, um, that wouldn't follow that. That was made by a creator. But 
but it also wouldn't follow that it's completely random. I mean, yeah, that can be a contingent explanation. So anything else on your mind? Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not understanding. So you said Well, I so so Monkey Ball, let me let me frame for you. So we we have two scenarios here, right? So I think, you know, one obviously people have argued both ways for thousands of years. So um it takes it, it takes some degree of faith to believe that none of this happened without divine intervention because there's a lot of things we've never seen happen otherwise. And then it takes faith to believe in God. So, like, people have gone both ways. Why do you think where you are on the scale is better than the alternative? Wait, so do you think faith is rational? Of course it's not. I mean, but it's not it's not rational for someone born in the projects to think they can be a millionaire. But it happens. It wasn't rational for Dr. King to think he could overcome everything he was facing. But that but that's in relation to beliefs. So what's uh, what is that? That's in relation to beliefs. I'm sorry, but he would call it faith. I mean, Dr. King said that he was going to quit the civil rights movement. He had a vision of Jesus. Jesus taught to him. And that's what kept him going. No, that's faith. Okay, having myopic faith in a future event of cohesion or the cohesion of events that are going to pan out is different from what already was happening. And there's an arbiter that founded fundamental reality that's not co-equal in any analogous way. Hey, but even then, that when, when we're talking about someone's belief rather than faith, faith is holding true to something without being able to rationally demonstrate that it is the case. Unlike a belief of an event in the future, that's just an attitude of a propositional state, which I don't see, once again, that being equal. Faith can be a reasonable expectation of things. So remember about 20 minutes ago when I said the first thing people want to do is be like, okay, Jesus, sure, whatever, and then talk about just completely off-base things? Am I a prophet? Is that hey, a monkey. rhetorical question? I mean, at this point, yeah. Um, well, Monkey, I don't know if you were here, but I mean, we were talking about like, you know, I know there's plenty of people that love this stuff. It makes my brain drain because from my, I mean, I don't know what your goal here is, maybe to enlighten the world of us dumb Christians. But I mean, for me, it's like, well, look, if you read the Bible and do what it says at a certain point, you know, if you're going to challenge Christianity, and that's fine, it's your right, believe it or don't, um, you should. But if you're going to challenge Christianity, I would think that, you you would know the tenets, you would know the religion, you you would read the book and know what it actually is. Maybe you do. Correct me if I'm wrong. But it seems at a certain point to challenge a belief system, you should know that belief system. Uh, but then whenever we talk about all these things that are not related to that belief system, and you could say quasi-related, with you know can't exist, whatever. But I just don't have a I, I don't have a dog in this fight. It's like, look, I believe the Bible because I did what it says. It says, call in the name of Jesus, repent and believe, exercise a little faith that this God could be true, and you're going to find this book is more and more trustworthy. So if I did these things like pray to Jesus, there was nothing there. There was no answer. There's no experience. And everything was just like as dead as when I read like some other fictional book, then I probably would not be a Christian. But because I've done and repeated what this book says, the claims in it over and over, and I found it trustworthy over and over. So what may have started out as like a little bit of faith, like I don't know if this is true, but I'm going to do it. And I did it at this point. It's just reasonable expectation. So Anyways, I mean, that's that's kind of my stake. So I don't know if you've done that, but I would say know what Christianity actually is 
and then challenge it because you've done what the claims of Jesus says to do and found it wanting. Not because you, you've maybe read or never heard the claims of Jesus, like, you know, repent, pray to him, ask him for, to be born again, ask him for eternal life. These things he says you must have. If you've done that, great. Then I think you have more of a valid reason to challenge Christianity. But if you've never done that, it's like you're challenging something when we're like, you're like, we don't believe it. And it can't be true because of this. And it's like, well, have you done the thing the religion actually says? And you're I like, have. well, no. Okay, great. So what have you found? Like you've, you've done that. You've like been like, Jesus, you say we must be born again. If you're real, I would like that. I will have faith in you. I will exercise faith in you. I will follow your teachings. And, you know, let me know if you're real. I want to know it. Something like that. Or you just like went to church a bunch of times or. Um, you uh, know, yeah, the... I used to be Christian. I would go to church for about 17 plus years. I was baptized like four years ago. Can I ask him a question? Well, I want to ask a bunch for sure. Go ahead. Yeah, so you said you were a Christian. So the, when you're saying that, um, I'm appealing to first principles, normative standards, and hermeneutics as it applies to the word Christian. So when it's, you say you were a Christian, uh, from my understanding, if we're appealing to scripture, uh, it says you must have a personal relationship or a personal experience with Christ. Can you uh, give us your testimony that you had this experience and uh, not just your own, how, how you felt about it. Uh, can you refer to a, a scriptural passage which outlines the promises, what he promises to his children uh, would be the, uh, the relationship he, he will have with those who uh, uh, submit themselves to, uh, to, uh, to himself? Yeah, I don't have any scriptural passage memorized to bring up. Uh, or, or you can summarize something that you, like, when I read the Psalms, I see my life in the Psalms. From Psalms 1 to 150, all the promises outlined in those Psalms, I witnessed in my life and people witness as well around me because he says he, 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 he makes wonders in the sight of all men. So to lead people to jealousy so that people would want to become a Christian. So when you say you were a Christian, again, I'm appealing to three things, first principles, normative standards, and hermeneutics. When you're using the word Christian, what do you mean? Because if you never had an experience with Christ, then by that, by definition, you were never a Christian to Um, I used to pray to God and believe what I was praying for was, I guess, being fulfilled, but yeah, that, but that's not the definition of Christian. You could pray to God okay, all you that's want. That's fine. If you don't want to take me to be an actual Christian, that that's fine. No, I, I, I actually, if you're an atheist right now, are you an atheist? Yes, I'm currently. Atheist. Okay. So you never were a Christian according to scripture. Those who are Christians cannot disbelieve in God because if you had an experience with God, you can't just disbelieve God. Is either you rebelled against God or you were never a, a Christian to begin with. Why is so, that the case? Uh, I just told you. Um, because are, the scripture said it, right? Well, if that's the case, then there is no such thing as a Christian. That's the point. Uh, but I'm if saying, that's the case, how do we verify it's the well, case? But he, but he, he spoke well, well, the well uh, I'm just going to finalize. I'm just going to finalize. I, I told you uh, the definition of the word is based on three concepts. First principles, normative standards, and hermeneutics. You're going outside of that. So you're not using the word Christian as is, as is defined in scripture. So you're using the word in what sense then? Um, in relation Culturally. to doctrine. Yeah, I guess whatever. No, you have no doctrine that would support your claim that you were a Christian. There's not, no scripture you could uh, 
appeal to that would ever claim you were a Christian to begin with. <laughs> How is this relevant? I, I don't really see. No, the, the, the point. The point. The point is, don't say you were a former Christian. Okay, sure, and, that's fine. Okay, so perfect. I'll, now, I'll, what? Yeah, what I'll is your? What, what is your objection against the the God of Christianity? Uh, it's irrational to believe in him. Uh, can you uh, explicate why you would say that? Okay, well, everyone knows that relations between beliefs and objects are called correspondence. Correspondence is made through determination within demonstration that would be rationally held. In order for God to be the case, he would have to be verified and rationally demonstrated to be uh, ontologically the case. So I don't see any logical arguments that are indicative of his nature being existent of any manner. Wow, that's, because, that's beautiful. I, that's beautiful. How about I give you one? Sure. How about I give you an argument? Sure. And then I, I could... Uh, 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 somebody else could take the, the lead. Yeah, you can um, give the argument. Okay, so I have uh, uh, an exclusive argument that I've been using for years. Uh, it's called the seven-day cycle argument. Number one, uh, uh, proposition number one, uh, Jesus is the author of the seven-day cycle since he makes exclusive claims to it. And the proposition number two, he predicted its universal adoption as a sign of his uh, or evidence of his authority over all nations. And we see that from 2,000 years ago when he reaffirmed the prophecy in Isaiah 66, 23, and Ezekiel 20, 12, Ezekiel 20, 20, saying that he will submit all nations to a seven-day cycle. He reaffirmed it by saying he is Lord of the Sabbath, which is intrinsically linked to the seven-day cycle. So a sign of his sovereignty, we see that uh, the seven-day cycle was pl uh, proliferated, I'm sorry, um, from 2,000 years ago all the way to the USSR in the 1930s. So by that, he has demonstrated his sovereignty over creation so how would you argue against are you saying that he is the one who made the seven day cycle right that's what you're arguing uh, no i'm gonna repeat my argument is predicated on two things number one authorship he is the author of the seven day cycle since he makes did, what's the argument for that uh well he's the only one claiming to it he's the only one he's the only one claiming to authorship of the seven day okay cycle. what's the argument that he's the only one well, the Hebrew scripture is from Genesis to Revelation. Are you saying he's the only one you're acquainted with to be the case, or are you going to make the uh, you universal cannot go in history? You cannot go through history. You cannot go through history and show me any other culture. Well, yeah, that, that would be an argument from ignorance. If you're going to make the claim universally, you would have to have a determinant for that argument, or else you're making an arbitrary in which it is indeterminate for it to be the contrary. Thus, it's this. But there's no justification no. that stimulates the substantiation of your affirmation. If you're going to claim it's the only one who all makes this authentic claim yeah. you need to present all facts to justify that this is indicative of only him who proposes this okay but that uh, would be uh, yeah i'm gonna address that i'm gonna address that real quickly number one um uh, i have the hebrew scriptures as my reference point is the theme of the seven day cycle is from genesis to revelation it's all throughout scripture that's number one i could go through history and go but why do you every believe the scriptures? wait wait sure. wait 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 it's not it's not it's not and, the point Stanley, in the scripture in the first second once you're once you're well, it seems I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you go wait 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 i'm gonna adjust your first claim before you go to something else why why i believe in scripture is totally irrelevant to the last point you made so i'm gonna adjust your last last point you're saying why yeah. do i believe the authorship of the 70 cycle is exclusive to jesus christ the point mm -hmm. is is that i could go to a historical document and that's my reference point. And I could go to every civil uh, civilization and go to their documentation, and they didn't have a seven-day cycle. They had something else. So historically, I could validate my position. So that's number one. Authorship is very clear and substantiate, substantiated historically. Number two is the predictive part. He predicted its universal adoption as, and he said, this will be the evidence of my authority. 
So showing that he has he's sovereign over all nations validates that he's God. So that is what you need to argue for. Okay, so all I'm seeing is a proposition. I don't I don't see an argument. So when you convey a proposition in this conceptual, I guess, utterance as a linguistic entity that bears truth, I want to know what's the truth maker by virtue of which would be the case if you're going to claim through all historical doctrines, he's the only one who possesses this authentication claim. Then can you show me all forms of doctrine that do not propose the case? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I already... You keep, my, you keep wait, making wait, universal claims. No, which... no, wait, 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 wait. Here's my claim. Only the Hebrew scriptures makes exclusive claim to a seven-day cycle historically. Okay, that is something that... that? Uh, what's the argument for that? Read your, uh, you could go to ancient Babylon, ancient Samaria, ancient Egypt. Egypt kept 10 days. Babylon kept a lunar cycle. Samaria kept a lunar cycle. Go to any documentation that Sure, but that would be your better It's your assertion. So can you, as a recipient of an interlocutor, can you justify to your party's burden? Since you, you claim realize this guy is 16 years old? Read his bio. The monkey boy is 16 years old. I just want to let everybody know. That you no, it's okay. He could, be he, he could be 16, all of that, but he, he, he seems to... Uh, to be uh, intelligent from what I'm hearing. But now he's telling me I have to present you all the documentation now? What are uh, you saying? Yeah, How about you get... Burden. No, it would be better for you to give me one example of of uh, anyone making claims to a seven-day cycle and my argument is undermined by that. I have to no. present you all the arguments. Yeah, yeah, because you made the claim. No, 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 no. That's ridiculous. It's like, I'm telling you, here's my Sorry. challenge to you. Here's my challenge to you. Provide me any historical documentation of any civilization that held you, you, a seven day because yeah but your challenge doesn't logically follow anyone who proposes a linguistic entity of a propositional state that holds a bearing of truth would necessitate by their burden substantial justification to instantiate the truth of that propositional state so no, by virtue no, 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 of which no, 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 no. all the evidence you can present to me let me give you another example i say a car belongs to me i have the keys right yeah what's and, I, and I say i say nobody else has the keys right and then you're, you're saying, okay, show me, go to the 7 billion people and show me they don't have the keys. That's ridiculous, buddy. I told you I already have the that's, keys. That's your burden. That's your burden. Hey, hey, monkey boy, monkey boy. Now you, I said you were smart. Don't, don't play stupid now. You're telling me I have to go to No. Seven. Okay, so Are this is an argument from redundancy. Like, you sound like one of those smart, like, 16-year-olds that are enrolled in college. Is that? No. Oh. So I think you, this is a common uh, problem that's conflated between burdens. If I say I have a pet unicorn and I say I have a pet dog, they both, one looks more ludicrous, right? But they hold equal burden of proof. Whether or not one is within one state of affairs, more actuality within the representation of normativity, right? Having a dog in relation to having a unicorn is represented more uh, frequently, right? More rational to hold as it's conventional does not necessitate the truth of me having a dog because I claim it. If I claim I have a dog, it's still my burden to represent it, even opposed to me saying I have a unicorn. They are both equally competing indeterminate hypothesis that I represent to be in the case of truthhood. But that truthhood would necessitate a truth maker to verify its actuality. So if you claim that throughout all of historical doctrines, it's the only one that actually, you know, makes this authorial claim, then by burden, by virtue of your initial assertion, what justifies all doctrines do not make this claim. So I, I'm going so to I'm I'm address it one more time, and then would, uh, somebody, but, somebody else could take You don't me. realize. It's not no, my No, 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 monkey boy. You, wait, made wait. Your point. You, made, you made your point. Hold on, hold on. Let me uh, just I'm say I'm saying what you're asking me, what you're asking you know, me to the do. The principle of what you're asking, No, wait, wait, wait. What you're asking me to do is I have a keys to my car. You're telling me, I'm saying I'm exclusively 
the one who has keys to my cars because I know I'm the only one who has the copies. You're telling me, no, you know what? Go to 7 billion people and show me that they don't have the keys. That's basically what you're telling me. I'm are, saying, you, are you, wait, are you wait, arguing wait. that that's an invalid burden to... Exactly. That's to totally put on ridiculous. You? Yeah, okay, that's so totally what's ridiculous. the argument? Wait, 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 wait. And I'm saying... The Hebrew scriptures makes exclusive claims to the seven-day cycle. You're, so what? All you need to do is to give me one example. As yeah, for my so example with the ghost. keys, wait, wait, I, I monkey boy, relax. As per my example, don't call him a monkey. I said monkey boy. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm as per, okay, no problem. As per my example with the keys, if I said I'm the only one with the keys and somebody else came with the keys and opened the uh, the door uh, the door of my car then you will have proven me wrong. Instead of me having to go through 7 billion people, you're basically asking me to do something that's impossible. So Yeah, that's that called an impossible burden. So that's still your burden either way. No, so no, no. Monkey boy, monkey boy. You're, you're, you're being ridiculous now. Yeah, you're being ridiculous. I'll let somebody take it. I prove God. No, well, okay. You, you shouldn't be an atheist. What's the argument? But okay, you should, you so you say it's ridiculous, though. right? I'm okay, you said Stanley. actually Jack's son. Or are you just like his biggest fan? I just want to know what the, what is you're, the you're argument? His, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you actually Jack's kid? Maybe. No, you you're just his biggest fan. Does he like that you go around saying that uh that you're his son or oh my god, is this like an inside joke? Oh my god. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Okay, Why are you being right. so sarcastic? So, I have a question, Steph. Can I say something not, really quick? It's not the most persuasive or interesting thing in the world to rebuttal everything someone tells you with. What's the argument for that? What's the argument um, for that? No, because if... I know if, you're young. I know you're young. <laughs> no, but so when, go, whenever... Oh, when, you, you... Okay. I know you're young, but when my seven-year-old asks if she can have ice cream for dinner and I say no, and then she says why, and I say because it's not healthy, and then she says why, and then I say because it'll rot her teeth, and then she says why, it becomes pretty exhausting. So again, like, I, I'm interested in what you're saying, but you need to actually engage in the conversation. But I mean, I'm over it now. But next time that you're in here, uh, a response other than "What's the argument for that?" Uh, might be a little more. Steph, can well, I say something? Well, if can he I wants to shift the burden something? and not, you know, Steph, actually Nate, justify his can position. Can I say something? Yeah, please? Hampton, what's up? Okay, so I just, you know, I came in this room. I was Wait. listening to Monkey Boy. Hold on, and let me say this. Actually, Monkey Boy, even though I'm giving you a hard time, I actually agree with you. I'm an atheist. Um, but let me say this, um, Stanley, is your argument that because? Seven billion people believe in a god. That means that it's true. Yeah, he doesn't realize he's saying, "Oh, uh, I'm making." No, no, hey, uh, 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 monkey boy. I don't need you to, to speak for me. Uh, who's the one to ask the question, please? Gay boy. Gay boy. Yes, that's <clears throat> my name. Okay, I'll call oh, you Fury because I don't. My name oh, is not. Oh, Fury. Oh, I'm above Fury. Okay, so you're happy. I'm going to call you happy, Mr. Happy. Oh, God. Here's the issue. I, my argument was not predicated on the popularity of the seven-day cycle. You, I don't think you were paying attention. I said it's based on, number one, authorship. And number two, he predicted, write the word prediction, the universality, write the word universality, adoption of the seven-day cycle as the evidence, write the word evidence, of his authority, write the word authority, over all creation. So prediction, universality, evidence, and uh, uh, authority. But which God? You say, like, Stanley, you, that's just not which no one? offense. That's the God of the Hebrews, obviously. There's only one God. Only okay, one okay, God. Okay, hold on. Okay. So uh, Hampton is going to take us off down a different track, so I'm going to put a pin in that, but don't leave. So Raul wanted to go next, then Fury. Thank you. 
All right. So, so monkey boy, just a, a, a quick question and then a follow-up. Um, you'd agree that science is a method of understanding the natural world based on empirical observation, exper experimentation, and logical reasoning, correct? Yeah, it's verification through a okay. testability, yeah. All right, great. Um, and would you agree God is inherently supernatural, metaphysical, and subjective and cannot be subjected to the same empir or empirical scrutiny as natural phenomenon? My argument wasn't for empirical verification of God. I asked what's arguments that are indicative of his truthhood ontologically, but sure. Okay, so science. I didn't place in co-equal methodology from science. Can y'all speak but... English? All right, but yeah, yeah, I'll be very plain. You cannot use science to prove or disprove God's existence. So the approach Monkey Boy is using as a zero kind of sum proposition approach to this is not sensible. It's when not did I use science? Let me finish. Let me finish. You've had plenty of time to talk. This is my one statement. I'll be quiet. Um, so it is not a logical approach. The more logical approach for you to take is if we're in a courtroom and we're relying on witness testimony, right? And we do that in court, right? We rely on witness testimony, personal experiences. So that is what you are going to have in terms of the, the standard for this. You're not going to get scientific yes or no. And to even have a conversation like you will is a complete waste of time and utterly ridiculous. Okay, uh, Fury so, was next, I believe. Hold on, I want to make a response. No, no, Steph gave an order. I really want to say something to you because I've been waiting like forever. Because whoever said, "Can we just speak English?" I want to address that, but me, uh, Matt, Steph gave an order. Boy. So, yes, we'll get to that because I agree with you. Fury, uh, say what you want to say. I have a question. To ask and then I go, I'll, and then I want to talk to you. I'll yeah, just, go ahead, I'll just see to you, Nate, since it's your room, man. It's okay. I had a question well, I can ask him, but it's just going to be an argument. So, okay, well, yeah, I, ju I just wanted to. Thanks, Fury, and yeah, we'll get you back in. But I wanted to talk to gay boy too because we missed him earlier but uh, yeah don't leave yeah monkey look i i would just say that first of all <laughs> whether you believe it or not like you are the epitome of the thing the bible talks about so whether it's just coincidence completely random i mean you know there's plenty of stuff that to the person uh, gay boy that wanted us to speak in english i mean the bible talks a lot about self-righteousness and man's wisdom and this hubris and you know it's like thinking thinking they're wise they became utter fools everyone here is dumber for this conversation like philosophy and reasoning has its time and has its place, but when its usefulness runs its course and people increasingly go down that, and maybe it's your youth, I don't want to be a hater of the young people, but when you start spewing stuff out at like micro machine speed, you're young, you may not know that guy, but when you talk so fast, our eyes glaze over, not because we can't or won't follow or keep up, it's because... It, I honestly wonder if you've considered or reevaluated your positions because it's so it's so apparent to everyone listening that you're rapid firing this out like you've memorized this from a script so well that you're never going to analyze it again. You just know counterpoint for counterpoint. So even if you never come around to the belief in a God or whatever, um, know that the way you're arguing is not going to get a lot of converts. So, I mean, I guess I'm helping you. I shouldn't be. I should say keep doing you. Um, you know, but, you know, just trying to be equal opportunity, decent person, I would say that. And there's a huge difference. Like Rawl said, CEO said, you can't use this material science. Like if you talk to a scientist, if you talk, great, then this is for someone else other than you. If someone wants to use science, like what science would say about a God is we don't know the likelihood. We would assign a likelihood 
Um, but we can't even do that. Like we, we have the material data we work with. So but by the time you invoke a metaphysical being, then science hasn't proven this existence of, of any other dimensions. We think there are. We think there's a lot. But we, we don't have hard and fast proof of all the stuff that would be relegated to this spiritual dimension. So science cannot speak on its face to God. Science is relegated to the material plane and matter. So he's not wrong. And I would say, you know, the Bible, whether they knew this was going to be a conversation thousands of years in the future, they talk about, you know, man's wisdom is only so good. You need the spiritual discernment. And then when you want to talk about proof, you said you're a Christian. And then I never got to really hone in with that. We're past that point now. But it's like, look, when people often say they used to be a Christian, they're like, I went to church. I did this. I did it. Great. That doesn't make you a Christian like uh, Stanley was getting at. It's like, do you have this relationship with Christ? Have you done the things he says? And I don't mean like, you know, standing and kneeling, wearing, going to church with a guy with a funny hat. Specifically, at a certain point, stop talking to Christians, stop looking for YouTube videos, and do the thing the guy in the book actually says, right? So he says, you must be born again, you must repent, stop doing stuff you know is wrong, and call to him directly. So stop talking to other Christians about God, pray to God directly. You say you've done that, I'm not going to judge you, I take your word for it. But that's the point, it's the spirit. It's not like this prideful spirit of argumentation it's like this humble sincere wanting to search for this god so anyway i don't know if that's ever going to help you but somewhere between you know shooting out these scripts that you've memorized so well you can do it in your sleep consider that because you can probably multitask so that would be the most helpful thing it's not going to be what you're looking for which is me to pull god down from heaven and put him on a platter for you um but that was that would be equally as absurd because then why would you worship that but that's just some things to think about but before gay boy has to leave again and before I have to leave again, I really want to hear what he had to say the first time. What's up? Well, <laughs> like, right. So when I asked... Hey, one second, I just wanted to say... No, no, no. Dude, it's, it's my just turn. a quick no. Relax. No, it's my question. It was my up. turn. It'll take two seconds. It was my... Nate By the Seth, time you argued Nate this, Steph, I could have been can done. Can I speak or can Chris hard. go? Because you said, as the main mod, I want to respect your room. No, you're not... Well, thanks. I, said, I would, I, I, I would like to hear... Uh, if Chris, wow, wow, do you guys know each other? No, but I just hate Chris. People. Ten seconds, Chris. What have you got? My gosh, I was just gonna say Darth Dawkins called. He wants his ring back. That's really what you wanted to enter. Okay. <laughs> um. So, like, when that's I said, literally all I wanted to say. So I wanted to okay. pip. So when first off, um, what I did say. Okay, first I want to go to the. You said the witness stand and how it's not. You cannot get you know science or quote unquote whatever definitive proof that god exists right but my whole thing is extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence if you're saying that there's a creator of the world that knows your thoughts that came down to you know save the world we're sinners we're incomplete like i'm sorry like we need proof for that like you just can't take like like the just because the bible says so and then i want to and then also with stanley you said oh you know the seven day calendar that proves that god that's what god so that proves there's a god but then it's like okay but then which god is it you know like uh the hindu god is it you know buddha is it you know which god is it how do you know it's the god of abraham Who's going speaking? Well, so Stanley's point. Can I speak for you for a second, Stanley? Stanley's point yeah, is go the ahead. God who made that is the God who made that claim. If you, if like freaking Mithra that we were talking about earlier would have been like, oh hey, by the way, I'm God, and by the way, I'm gonna make everyone have a seven day calendar. Well, then that would be the one we're talking about. He had no justification that to in that this, point, though. In this, yeah. in this case, okay. Well, regardless, hang on. So you wanted, you know, evidence. 
right? Incro extraordinary evidence or claims extra require extraordinary evidence. Was that Hitchens piece be upon him? Um, I bet he's probably got all the evidence he wants by now and more, unfortunately. Um, but I'd say that's it. Like we've just talked about it like multiple times. I'm like, if you want ex the most extraordinary evidence is to have an encounter or a relationship with God, like all of us Christians keep talking about. So extraordinary evidence is not going to be some material YouTube playlist. It's not going. Well, it's not going to be some guy in a podium or a dusty tome. Like that's not going to be ex. ex ah, what's um? That's not going to be the appropriate evidence that you would accept based on that, right? Because you'd say it's not extraordinary enough. So what's going to be as extraordinary that you would accept is if you do what the guy in the Bible says to actually do: seek him, call on him, pray to him, exercise a monochrome of faith. And when you have an encounter with God, you're going to be like, holy crap! I guess I don't need to keep talking to Christians. I've got the extraordinary evidence I but want. What if that's, that's hallucinating? Like I agree. But what I if agree. I'm hallucinating, though? And what if it's right. just positive reinforcement because I'm thinking that it's got, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if I'm hallucinating? What if it's not really real? A lot of people perceive something that, you know, oh, but it's not real. You right, have people right, right, talking right. about Allah or Muhammad that came to them or Buddha came to them in a vision. Like, are they deluded? Are they crazy? Great. Well, first of all, it's not positive reinforcement, it's positive punishment. Just there you go. You get that one for free. Um, but well, if you're hallucinating, right, punishment, huh? it, look, look it up. It's positive reinforcement is, is the wrong way to say that it's positive punishment anyways. Um, so if you're hallucinating, if someone cannot trust themselves based on, I don't know, their markers, their history of mental health issues, whatever, maybe this could just be happening. But if you can't trust yourself enough to think you're hallucinating, which by the way, I don't think that's most Christians experience when they're like, I've had this encounter with God and God showed up to me and whatever. Like, I wouldn't describe that as warm, fuzzy chills, like at a concert or any kind of like seeing magical signs or colors. I'd be like, huh, there's just something in, in this. It's like part of me. It's like this, this spiritual awareness that I didn't know was there. Like it just clicked. Like this makes sense. I get it. Like there's nothing, there's nothing crazy or smoke and mirsy about it. It really is like when you're aware of, I guess, this spiritual world or whatever that the Bible talks a lot about and most people believe. So it's like that. So if you're like seeing like, lizard people and stuff like that get yourself checked out but you know as for most as for most of us then i think we what have about a reasonable Buddha? expectation I, I think most of us what about him he never claimed to be deity um no, anyways so so you have a you, vision can of I, can him I, i'll go ahead and you're talking yeah i, I would well, agree you, i mean if you have lots of visions then again get yourself checked out get a, a seek a mental health professional but couldn't you but for most i'm really pretty sure you you lost your mind when chris tried to say something for two seconds a minute ago so Calm yourself in a second. But for most of the 2 billion Christians, we don't have anything because it's easy to be like, oh, you see things. You have voices in your head. <laughs> so bad faith actor or honestly ignorant, regardless, let's set the record straight. It's just like this, this knowledge, the spiritual awakening. You're like, oh, this is right. This is legit. This Bible is the word of God. I did what it says. And now I know. I gnostically have this revelation. So that's it. So for people that hear voices and see crazy visions, call psychiatrists. By the way, ask a Christian who's not giving medical or mental health advice. Right, Go and ahead, I just Gabriel. want to say I am an ex-Christian, by the way. I was actually born again. I went to a Christian Most atheist are. Yeah, I, was a, I actually went to a Christian high school Bible class every day. So I, I do know, you know, some things. You know, I just, you know, when people also, Christians, they want to believe it, right? They Like, if you believe that there's a God and you think somebody is there... You really want to, and people do this all the time. People, it's like a cop, people see what they want to see. That's basically what it is. And people, you can't go off, oh, well, 
I had this experience. Well, I saw this and I saw you, you in a court of law. You can't do that. You can't well, be like, I, I had a vision yes, and it just appeared to oh, me. No. But then like, but then you go, that's also, there's such thing as credible witnesses, right? You can't trust every single witness. That's why certain you vet them. And then the, the, the attorney, would whatever say, okay, these are the witnesses that we're going to call. Yeah. So, I'll clear something say, up. You, if you're trying to say you can't be a credible witness, then you should stop talking to us right now. I mean, this is we're talking about your subjective experience. If you can't trust yourself and then analyze that or go to your atheist rooms, I guarantee they will put you through an unholy inquisition if you tell them you have faith in God now. So you're in good hands. If you can't trust yourself, then you shouldn't be able no, to trust yourself. No, but we have scientific. No, 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 no. Maybe we we're a scientific right now. No, we are. No, there's scientific proof that de, that totally refutes that the age of the Earth is six thousand years old. Yeah, but okay, that, that has scientific, absolutely, that has concrete proof. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Congratulations. How does it have you, nothing you to do? Yeah, okay, right because because you're making some grand sweeping assumptions about Christianity that are leading you to conclusions that seem logical but that don't apply. So, for example, you just assume that all Christians are young Earth creationists. We're not. I, you're, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm a cradle Christian, super devout, old Earth creationist, right? I don't have that conflict that you're discussing. A so lot you're do. only going to apply what? A lot do though. Like yeah, a fine. Lot. Great, Maybe half and half. I don't know what the numbers is. That's fine. This isn't a salvific issue. So it's like an interesting topic to discuss. But if you're trying to engage somebody on that as a proof for faith, it's not going to look. The other thing is that not all Christians arrived at their Christianity by suddenly getting a glowy, warm feeling or having an experience that like, oh, that seemed supernatural. I arrived at it through a study of history. Right. Where for me, the most convincing evidence of Christianity was the uh, the impossibility of the Bible existing in the in the grand scheme of human history and how we know that ancient studies and documents work. The fact that this document exists is an absolute freaking miracle. It's a statistical impossibility. Right. So so the problem that you are going to run into is I understand you're, you're almost arguing from like a very super monkey. I'm moving you to the audience. I've had enough of you today. Okay, so the the argument that you're coming from is almost like a very superficial kind of surface level understanding of uh, of what you think. You're like talking about a simulacrum of what Christianity is, but you have to ask questions before you can draw the conclusions you've drawn. Does that make sense? That's true. Okay, then let me just, I'm going to ask this and I'm, I'm going to let it pass the mic somewhere else. Sorry, Fury. Okay, so let <laughs> the... The Christians that, you know, believe, I guess, in evolution or, you know, they accept that science that maybe it was, they accept it that the earth is not 6,000 years old. But rewind 100 or 200 years ago, everyone was basically a young earth creationist and they really believed it, right? And, and they, Hampton, if you ask. 300 years ago, they would have been using leeches in medical science. Do you still trust your doctor? What? Yeah, but what I'm... <laughs> well, right. You still trust your doctor. Like, we know more now about archaeology and about the history of the world. Like, th this is not a... Your doctor, if born in the Middle Ages, would have been using leeches and casting herbs into a fire. Right, but that doctor God. was if that doctor would say, God told me and God showed that this is the way to go and this is God that said no, the leeches. he could have been an atheist who believed in the medical science of the day, which said that leeches were the best course of treatment for most illnesses. The, the, again, this is an argument that 
because our understanding at the height of Catholicism was that the the earth the model of the universe was geocentric means that Christianity is invalid. Well, then medical science should be also. You have to see the consistency there. But there's there, empirical right? evidence that medical science works. Like you can see it with your own eyes. No, but we're not talking about that. We're talking strictly about the way that you arrived at your conclusion, which is faulty. Okay. Well, Fury, go. Uh, Game Boy's down now, but I'll, I I just had two main clarifying points. One, um, the first one is about just speaking plainly and why it's important to understand who you're talking to. You know, when you're when you're trying to do apologetics and stuff like that, because like, you know, you guys kind of informed Gay Boy or not Gay Boy, not Hampton, but um, the other guy of this Monkey Boy. Sorry, there's a lot of boys in this audience apparently. <clears throat> you know, Einstein himself said like, you know. True, true intelligence is taking something that's complex and making it simple, right? Being able to explain it thoroughly and, and bringing it down to a level to where everybody can understand it, a common denominator, that's that's crucial in any sort of debate or argument to begin with. So first of all, so don't let, you know, four syllable words deceive you into believing somebody's intelligent because of that, because it's, it's quite, op honestly, it's the opposite most times that I find. Um, but two, uh, the, the, I see there's really like Hampton, Hampton, for example, has a lot of like, what about arguments? And it's important that you, we, we discuss those one at a time, Hampton. But the, the core one that I wanted to address initially was really like you guys, you and monkey boy, I believe are coming from the position of like, Oh, prove to me God exists. And I can simply do the same exact thing and ask you, well, show me how God doesn't exist. Give me evidence. God does not exist. Right. And if we were to break this down, you, you would have an equally difficult time convincing a lot of people that God does not exist. But I have right? much more evidence than your side does. Well, what evidence do you have, though? This, and this gets into my sort of what I was saying, right? It's important to discuss actual things we can both kind of start from at a ground level and then work our way from there. Stanley, for example, was talking to you, and I think you missed the point, but he's saying the Bible itself actually speaks to the, the seven-day cycle. So when he says Jesus made ownership or a claim, he's saying that like the Bible was the only documented book to really claim that it, that it implemented that and then had a prophecy written down in the book saying that would be adopted by, you know, all the nations of the world or whatever it is. Right. Is the, the argument he was making. And I think you were missing that. I think you were just thinking like he said, oh, Christianity just said, just just claimed this. No, no, it's literally written down, I think, is his point. Well, no, 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 no. So I, I think this, he didn't illustrate that quite I'm well. I'm looking at um, this. I'm looking at this right now. The modern seven-day week can be traced back to the Babylonians who used it. Sure, their sure. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that says everything's from the Babylonians, apparently. So um, it's all lies? Yeah, we have like three artifacts and no, you know, the scattered Babylonian the shit. Empire crossed over with the... Oh, my gosh. It, yeah, there's they, so much it, historical... Right. This is why were they a no, Jewish, were they a Jewish empire in the Babylonian Listen, empire? it's important to discuss these one at a time, Okay. Because there, there is an explanation for these, and some of them, there may, I'm not guaranteeing there's an explanation for everything, but if you have an objection to something to like say, oh, this is why God doesn't exist, let's, let's talk about that specifically. Let's not go on like to the next thing. Well, what about Buddha? What about this? What about that? We can get to all of that, but let's address each one logically and calmly one at a time. And I think that would be more fruitful in these sort of conversations, just saying. Even for yourself and also for the other Christians in the, in the audience and at stage. So just that's all I wanted to say. Right, so. and I, I totally hear what you're saying. Um, you know, it does. One of the reasons why we do, you know, 
the seven day calendar and the reason why it was official in the you know Roman Empire is because Constantine converted to Christianity. Thus, <laughs> the emperor declared that we have a seven day, uh, like a seven day week, and that carried over to America way way later. Yeah. Well, of course, because it like became a Christian nation. You know, it, it was a Christian nation, so of course they're going to adopt the Christian so, principles. Oh, so okay, know, hey, hang on, hang on. I, I got to say about... something. Hang on, Chris. I got to say something. Then I'll, I, I got to say. First of all, yeah, there's lots of nations and lots of things between. You cannot say America was a Christian nation and in the next breath be like, America's not a Christian nation, separation, blah, blah, blah. It was, no, I so, said it was. <laughs> it was founded. I, pilgrims I know, did not come. <laughs> no, no, no. But if the pilgrims came that came here and settled, were they not Christians? Actually, were they not religious? They were religious. They would call them extremists, right? And they got over and came to the to Puritans, the colonies, the right? Puritans, exactly. So, I mean, I will say that this country— It wasn't a nation. It was a colony of England. And whenever America okay. became a nation, it was not a Christian nation. We Most had freedom. Yeah, you're, you're talking about a multi-century span of time, Hampton, that went, went across. So you can't say, like, oh, the Puritans landed, boom, that's America. No, there was a lot of time in between there where a lot of developments, a lot of people, more people came to the country, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But what I'm asking is, would you not agree that by the time the Constitution was written— the vast majority of the United States or the colonies, wherever you want to say before they got it, were Christian. I would say, say that? that is I would say that is true. I would say many were not, and our many of our founding fathers many. were not. Many of our founding fathers, Jefferson, Franklin, like many of our founding fathers, Washington, um, I think is questionable. Like they were deists. Like they didn't believe that Jesus of the Bible was divine. Even Jefferson ripped out all the miracle stuff. So you right, can't. But I'm say, talking about the populace, though. The populace. It doesn't matter. The, the populace. The populace didn't draft the Constitution. The populace didn't make us a government entity. Also, the, but some of the founding you get, fathers. You get the, well, wait, get, gay boy. You, you get the difference between just because a lot of people may be Christians doesn't automatically mean everything they do is going to be a Christian country, a Christian business, a, a Christian whatever. Like just because people have a religious belief doesn't mean everything they touch is going to be Christian. America was not. I'd love to say it was, but if we care about accuracy, it wasn't. Well, yeah. Uh, Chris, I interrupted Chris. Uh, Father Chris. Uh, no, it was me, actually. Um, we get confused a lot, yeah. Um, I mean, this is the... No, I was saying that our voices this argument came from... deep. Yes, thank you. Uh, this argument came from the idea that Hampton said that America adopted a seven-day week because it was a Christian <laughs> a Christian nation. Like, that's what, that's what we're railing against, right? Like, I guess we can go down the American history route, but <laughs> it's important that you realize that's not true. You, you be careful you guys don't get Hampton. Wait, you're saying it's not true that we practice the seven-day... <laughs> I don't understand what no, you're saying. No, you so. went from, you said that we're talking about the seven-day week thing in the Bible, which it sounds like Fury is very familiar with and Chris is familiar with. I'm not at all. I'm just along for the ride on this. Uh, but you, you said that the reason that America uses a seven-day week is because they were founded as a Christian nation, right? Well, yeah. No, what I'm saying is, well, it goes back to Constantine. Like, when the Roman Empire became Christian— like the Roman Empire was the most powerful empire in the world at the time, yeah, so that had that? influence. Uh, yeah, Steph, it was in I, the three hundreds. It was in the three hundred A.D. Technical in point. 300 
Steph, okay. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to run. Do you want to keep this madness going? Um, I can do maybe ten more minutes, y'all. Then I gotta go. Okay, yeah. Whenever you're done, just shut it down. Um, I'll see you guys later. But for uh, the last point, I'll say, gay boy. Um, whenever you talk about Constantine, look at look at Sweden. Look at Norse countries. Look at the ones that are godless and pagan. Look at all the Central and Latin American. Look at the ones that came from like native and Incan society. And magically, like Constantine's reach is not worldwide over thousands of years. So there's plenty of heathen pagan societies that have also adopted the seven-day calendar by magic or coincidence or prophecy. Everyone take care. Uh, Steph, good luck, and don't run for the racers. See you, Nate. See you later, I just, Okay, so I just don't, Great. like, so everybody else that adopted the seven-day work week or seven-day calendar week, they, therefore, they're practicing the Abraham.